0: So, I knew how to try things out uh make changes in my life make the the planning and stuff just wouldn't go my way for a while and uh you know when everything starts unraveling, recognize that people used to call that a shamanic initiation, and then I kept seeing shadows around, thinking I'm going crazy, stuff like that and went on that assumption until some people that I was living with told me they could see the shadows too. And I said, you know, maybe I better give this a real good look at and try to figure out what's going on here. And the truth is, as I, as I did that, I was able to uh, move forward in my life in a real positive ways. So, although I wouldn't recommend that on my worst enemy, to have that kind of experience where things are just moving and Nobody ever talks about it either, so it's not like you have this, these shadows moving, this weird stuff happening, they can see it too. They don't tell you until way later, because they don't feel comfortable about it, and then you realize, well, it wasn't just me, and what does that mean? How? Do, what do you do then? Well, you start to look at some of this stuff and decide, nah, there's a sensible way to look at all of this, and then You just kind of go well maybe some of it's real not saying all of it my that experience alone was enough to push me down the road um, when there was that kind of confirming evidence at that point at the end when people literally told me they could see it too and it freaked them out and they were apologizing to me and when I moved I started to investigate stuff a little more so I had a real strong paranormal experience uh, to kick it off uh, right from the beginning. So.
1: What sort of shadows do you mean? Are, are you talking about uh, shadow people, or were these just uh, blobs no, of masks?
0: They they were... I mean, later, I, when I learned more, I could tell they were pretty much straight-up demons, but that's okay. It wasn't necessarily a bad thing to be straight-up demons. It's just, just how it came about. And... It took me a long time to get through that, like actually like clean up the mess that these things were doing. And demons can often manifest as shadows for people, not like shadow people. Shadow people tend not to do anything, at least in my experience. But these these things had an interest in me. So, and there's different pathways of magic. And sometimes spirits to get your attention will not be nice about how they go about it, uh, to make sure that you can't just ignore it, even if you want to.
1: Was there a, a particular thing that you did that kicked off this this demonic harassment?
0: No, no, it was just time. It was time for me to get on a more magical path. It just, it wasn't that I did anything, I wasn't experimenting with it. I was actually a pretty hardcore engineer, and I still am an engineer. Uh, so the notions of it, of me thinking any of this was real, it wasn't at that point to me that I didn't, I just didn't want any part of it. Um, but sometimes you don't have the choice. Like, like I said, I didn't have a choice at that point and my life is a lot better for it so you know I can't complain for the little bit of pain that they put me through then I'm kind of a stubborn guy actually like speaking I would never have come to the some of the realizations I had without having to go through some real painful experiences because I just just wouldn't Um, and I just wouldn't accept it in any other way unless it was obvious and blatant like that
1: Was your interest ever viewed upon negatively by family members or friends? Well,
0: generally speaking, if my friends are going to judge me that way, they don't stay my friends because I generally have enough uh, self-respect that you take it or leave it. As far as family members, you know, a lot of my family, like I said, they were already into some of this stuff, so... Uh, it was a lot easier. Not my immediate family, but even my mom was into sort of a lot of stuff to deal with angels and believed you could heal through prayer. And that, that was something that was, for my, my cousins and stuff like that, they absolutely believe that. And it's not a far strip, not a far stretch, um, from having the priest come to our house when I was a kid. They don't do this in, uh, Regular Catholic churches, as was Eastern Orthodox Church, basically having the priest come and bless all the windows isn't that much different from, you know, when I bless my own windows, uh, it's just in Catholicism you invest in priest. and in magic, you tend to invest in yourself.:
1: Was there a particular system of magic that you started
0: off with? You know, I, I dabbled in a lot of things uh, at first. Then A lot of it didn't make a lot of I didn't like the style of it. It's not that it didn't make sense. Um, it just didn't, I didn't like, you know, my brother. This is one of the reasons that I had such trouble with uh, getting into it. Like, he started off as a Wiccan, which is a very common religion. But I just couldn't get into it, right? The robes, everything like that. I I just couldn't get into it. And when I first started out, uh, I went into a lot of stuff that dealt with more what would be classically considered chaos magic. Because it made sense, and I didn't have to necessarily remove my doubt completely. I, I could just do the magic, see what the results are, and take it from there and see whether or not does this work or not and i could keep testing that later on i i could i went into many more paradigms and tried to be much more scholar of many many uh, different religions and and I i had some real luck early on with the magic i was doing even with just sigil magic and how to create servers and getting into uh, deep levels of hypnosis in self-hypnosis and changing myself. So I, I pretty much found that it worked extraordinarily well. And and figuring out some mediumship techniques to kind of talk with things that I sometimes could sense and develop that was also skilled. So I kind of acted at first a little outside of paradigms, then I got into ceremonial magic more and uh, Eastern magics, all kinds of this stuff to kind of fill in the blanks a little that I, I mean, at first I had to learn basically because I just wanted to get rid of those shadow things that were bugging me uh, even after I moved. So I basically tried to distill everything down I could to find stuff that worked and would ignore stuff that didn't work uh, and get the most efficient stuff as fast as I could. For those
1: that are just starting to get into this, get into magic, Is there a particular system that you would recommend for them to start
0: off with? Well, besides my book, which was written for those people, uh, which is Hands-On Chaos Magic, uh, generally speaking, the best thing you can do is not any one system per se. I don't necessarily think that's the answer, but the single best tool you can get down is meditation. You have to get the meditation down, I think, initially. Because any system we work with mostly uses focus, not all of them, but the meditation will go a long way, not just to developing magical skill, but to even be developing greater levels of uh, cognitive ability that you can use and invest in your day-to-day life. I think meditation is one of the most underrated skills people kind of want to skip over it because they think it's boring, but it's really when you start being able to focus more, you can that's that's the magic in itself. And kind of separate yourself out from all the garbage that we have thrown at us on a daily basis, from advertisement to other to to other people putting their wishes upon us. All this stuff when you start learning to meditate, even Zen meditation, we're just sitting still, calming your head down, you can get, start to think about and start to analyze, well, what's actually going on with my life? And if you can start doing that, then we can start talking about magic, whatever system you want, whether it's ceremonial magic, whether it's, it's more demonology, whether it's Eastern magic, although Eastern, most of the Eastern training methods do involve meditation as one of the core starting blocks, whether it's moving or sitting still. In each case, Before you really talk about let's get to results, let's get to your doing stuff that creates change in the world, being able to kind of separate yourself from the world and invest in your own inner space is probably one of the most powerful things you can do.
1: So if I was to, say, start meditating tomorrow, I could expect to have some
0: improvements in my life, like I might be able to reach certain goals easier. Yeah, I guarantee it, actually, because certain things will happen when you start meditating on a daily basis. We all, all of us, uh, have issues probably where there's parts of our life that are stressful. When we get stressed, those things actually impede our thinking. But they don't just impede our thinking. If if you're like me, and I think most of the listeners, you know, what happens when we have a stressful event? It just kind of loops in our head, and we keep thinking about it. And it's hard to get that out of your head. But when you learn how to meditate, you get that out of your system. You get those loops out of your system. So you just stop. So if somebody aggravates you, you just meditate for a few minutes, you let it go, and then you're not thinking about how angry you are at the person the whole day. So you can spend your energy and your time and what you're doing on actually what you want to focus on as opposed to, any emotional reactions, as opposed to things that are coming up that's negative. You know, instead of focusing on, like, let's say that someone has money problems, instead of focusing on the money problems, which only makes them more stressed out, they can instead clear out their heads. and Then, it's amazing what happens when you do that. New ideas will be able to come to you, right? When you're working or when you're doing stuff, you'll be able to Move forward. And if you have goals, you can step back from the emotional reaction of, let's say you have a stumbling block for one of those goals. You can step back from that and look at that without the negative reaction. All of a sudden it's very powerful. Then you can start to apply your rational mind to say, well, I need to do these additional steps. But what happens is most of the time we're going from one emotional stimulus to the next. And we cannot really, we never really have time to insert those kind of changes in our life because we're just trying to make do. We're just trying to get forward in life. So what the meditation lets you do is get space from that the external world so you can clean up your internal world. And once you clean up your internal world, you can start to choose different things and willfully decide, hey, you know, I need to do X, Y, and Z, and I'm going to make time for that and then carry it out most people scientifically what happens well they just kind of move along so meditating lets you kind of open that door a little bit to separate the reaction from yourself to kind of get stronger levels of emotional intelligence all of these things will help you with your goals from emotional intelligence to the being able to stop from an emotional reaction that's negative to thinking about without any uh, negative consequences, different aspects of your life, even things that maybe don't make you happy, but you can like sit down and analyze why they don't make you happy or why things are not going right. And the meditation kind of lets you clear yourself out in a way that allows that to happen.
1: Now, when you were really getting into learning did you have a mentor or a teacher
0: that was teaching you what he or she knew no i didn't have a mentor at first i had mentors later at first uh i had one single goal like i said i had things that these shadow things that were bothering me even after i moved and my goal was simply put to get the skills down to get rid of them uh And then after I started to get those skills, then I started getting, then I got a mentor from my family who kind of started to teach me more stuff.
1: How about, you mentioned prayer earlier. Would you consider prayer to be something that works?
0: Absolutely. If you know how to get it to work, prayer is a form of magic. You know, the only reason it's not considered a form of magic because it's a culturally accepted form of magic. Uh, But it's still magic, depending on how you do it. And there's ways to make it prayer really, really, really zing and work in most cases. Prayer by itself, right? People just say the words without any emotion. They say the words without any focus. But once you have focus and you can put behind it all the emotion and all the... Gumption you have, and you have real faith in the spirits you're calling, or whether it's God or Jesus, doesn't matter if we're talking about Christianity, but there's many gods you could pray to, um, many different things you could pray to, but if you really, really have all those pieces together, you're going to see some miracles happen. Maybe not all the time, but you will see it. It certainly works. Do
1: you ever attempt to Foresee the future perhaps with tarot cards or through any other methods?
0: Sure, absolutely. Uh, I would consider that a very useful skill for most magicians to develop. Very useful and uh, but not perfect. It's one of those skills that while there's a lot of of course, there's many diviners out there and you can go get tarot readings. Um, there's a phrase I like to use. is Divine short and enchant long, which basically says, if you're really going to get into divination, try to divine closer. Because as you divine closer, the events are more set. They're more set in stone and they allow you to get more accurate reads. And when you go further out they're less probable because there's more opportunities for different things to change and chaos to come into different things to change. Even by hearing a reading, you can actually change the future of the reading itself. So you have to, it's a skill that if you get into the magical path is very useful, but it's an art. It's a, a real art. So what you're telling me is the future is not set in stone. I do not believe so, but that doesn't mean that you don't already have patterns and there's not consequences to your actions, right? So, I mean, obviously, if you have a, this is a bad pattern, right? You go out drinking and then drive. One of those times, you're not going to get lucky. That's there's these patterns that we all have that are there. But as far as the consequences, that that would be a consequence. But as far as it being set in stone, no, I don't think it is. I think you can change that. Um, just like you can change your patterns so they, the outcome will change.
1: When these... Go ahead.
2: Go ahead.
1: Okay. When these demons were bothering you, did they have any particular goal in mind? Were they trying to... Feed off of fear, or uh, kind of try to manipulate you into doing something.
0: Well, they certainly were uh, interested in blood, uh, my blood, per se. Um, but I just think that was a means at which they could. I don't know, say get under my skin. I mean, when it happened, I really thought, oh, you know what? This is horrible. This is the scariest thing, and in. in, in That's happened to me probably in my life. I didn't know how to get rid of it. But in retrospect, although there's a lot of pain, I necessarily think most of that was on purpose. As in, their goal wasn't to scare me. Their goal was to force me to awaken, to become a kind of spiritual person, a magician, to force me to evolve in a way when you look at the greater picture of what I think was happening there. So like I said, I called it initially a shamanic sickness, right? Their presence was part of a shamanic sickness that I had to go through. Otherwise I wouldn't be the person I could be. Now I probably at some level had that choice. You know, I didn't call them into my life, but I could certainly decide what to do after the fact. And Well, certainly demons will take blood, you know, if you give it to them. And certainly they were trying to destroy various parts of my life. In retrospect, it really was about me getting to the point that they couldn't bother me anymore. It was an evolution, like as if like a greater spiritual set of forces stepped in to make sure this would happen and that I could would be where I needed to be. And I know that's not something that most people would think of demons in that way, that they would actually try to help you, or that the higher levels of infernal spirits would have this kind of idea to try to force somebody into what I would consider the path of pain so that they could evolve. But you know what the truth is? is when we're confronted with things that are painful and that force us to have our backs against the wall. That's the time most people make the greatest spiritual or emotional leaps in their life. Um, So I can, I can completely see it. And I know people wouldn't think that there's this symphony of things that would try, of which you are a spirit yourself that would then try to orchestrate this to make this happen because we, we have, at least in the West and here, have a, a certain view of these entities, I really think they were working in concert with other things to bring about this change in me, so that way I could actually get down to the business of learning magic and would accept it.
1: Now, this is something that always seems to get debated and magic circles the idea of are demons real external beings or just parts of your own mind or parts of your own self what are your thoughts on that
0: well i'm not of the school that necessarily thinks they are just parts of your mind but i think you know we can't at the same point eliminate the idea that they affect mind it's to me it's basically it's a question of like is like a wave or a particle? And depending on how you look at it, it's both. And I think for various reasons, people in the cult take both sides, uh, and it's not the right question. You know, the right question is probably closer to which way works better for you as an individual uh, and makes it more meaningful and brings about more meaningful change in the world for you. Because to me, they act on your mind at the same time they can act in the external world and a lot of it depends on what view you have of the universe at that point in time so someone who has an absolutely materialist view is only going to see them as psychological manifestations even people who don't have necessarily just a a materialist view might see that and they will tend to be constrained by that until they're not and the universe kind of takes all these takes all the dogma you have, crunches them up, and basically spits them out if you keep going on the path, say, do you still think that way? Um, because whenever you if you're being honest about it, there'll be counter evidence to both cases. So I think the question really then is like I said, which way which conception of them gets you the best results? And if people ask those questions all the time, they would see they will be able to work with this in a lot better capacity.
1: Have you purposely summoned any
0: demons? Oh, sure. I've worked with the Tan, and uh, the Great Grimoire. So, these, this is part of ceremonial magic, uh, a large part of ceremonial magic, especially uh, if you read Aleister Crowley or or even the Golden Dawn. I mean, the Golden Dawn Masso. but Controlling the negative forces of the universe is just that. You're just controlling the entropic negative forces of the universe. In ceremonial magic it just doesn't have the same connotation. And in many other societies it doesn't have the same connotation as as we do. In fact in the Greek society where the word demon comes from, they're just the real word is daemon and it just is another word for spirit. So it's just a spirit. And in a lot of cases, that's exactly what they are. They're just spirits. Usually, they're like more baser, natural spirits that seem to uh, be controllable, that you can work with, or that you can otherwise make a relationship with. So there's a lot of misconceptions about demons because we're, we're in a very Christianized society. But the truth is, most demons, in fact, at one time were probably gods of another people or gods of a local god for a local region or something like that.
1: And it's just our modern way
0: of viewing them where we see them as bad? Well, I don't think it's necessarily our modern way, but it has certainly been a heavily influenced way that we tend to see non Judeo Christian cultures for the West. Thousand years.
1: Have you ever had a situation where you summoned something and things did get a little bit out of
0: control? Sure, and I would proceed to banish <laughs> with extreme prejudice. Um, that happens sometimes. You don't get what you expect, and it's why if you're studying magic, one of the fr- this goes back to meditation and focus partially. But one of the first things that you should really learn how to do before you start doing that kind of spirit work is learn how to clean and clear your space. So that way, if you summon something and it's not going well, you can get rid of it and force it out of your space and back to where it's from. So it's no longer bothering you. That's really kind of a critical skill in practice that you have to have if you're going to call this kind of stuff up, not because it's going to go wrongly sometimes. And a lot of times when it does go wrongly, it isn't so much that the spirit is what would classically be called malevolent. It's that you're having an adverse reaction, like something in you doesn't like the presence of the spirit. So you might get sick, you might get headaches, you might otherwise like have emotional difficulties, and you got to rein all that in, control yourself, and then clear your space
1: will they ever manifest physically when you summon them?
0: Well, it depends on what you mean by physically. So if you mean like you can, other people who necessarily are just watching can get impressions, can see them probably, where you can get temperature changes, where you can get air pressure changes. Those are all physical manifestations. Now you can even have something. I've had something hit me that's a physical manifestation now if you expect it to be there like charmed where all of a sudden there's this fire breathing thing that's gonna rip your door down you might be disappointed but you have a lot of physical manifestations there and in fact people who are not necessarily participating in a ritual have gotten to the point that they can see it happening But there's an explanation there that goes with psychic ability and psychic senses where the power of the ritual is so strong that it can override your psychic senses. Now, if you put a video camera on that, you might get to the point, and I, of course, do practice a lot of this magic with paranormal investigators at times to really do this. Oftentimes, you will get weird things to show up on the camera but not as clear as people's psychic senses. So there might be color orbs or distortion in the camera that's unexplained a lot sometimes. Like I said, temperature differences, where other people just sitting there who are not participating in the summoning or they're not actively doing it, they're just witnessing it, might see clear as day the entity there. It's clearly a psychic phenomenon. And then there's some physical effects that you can catch but it's not like a movie in front of you, per se, that when you roll the camera back. So it really depends on what you mean by physically manifested. I would consider that with the temperature differences and the air pressure differences that you can measure, um, even some other Oculus boxes and and other things that get weird when you summon a spirit and it starts answering you in ways through these Mm -hmm. technological means that are just not random and it makes sense, that something's going on. There's, there's physical manifestation there and um, it can go from there to even bruises, cuts, stuff like that.
1: That's funny because a friend of mine was telling me about a, a ghost tracker app that kind of works like a magic eight ball where it will randomly give you phrases and somehow the spirit is supposed to influence that.
0: And the funny thing is about that, Is when you actually do that app, and you're doing the summoning, at least for me, you'll get phrases that don't seem random anymore. Uh, like, what? It's freaky, actually, when it happens. (laughs) Like, like there's one time I was doing a money spell, right? Literally, doing a money spell, I had to, it's it's a program, I think it wasn't the Ghost Tracker app, but it was Oculus or something, was a program. We got through the money spell, we're sitting there. The thing is quiet. It's just like going, right? We get through the money. We're, we're centering at the end of doing this Get More funny, And all we hear on the, this little device is, you're in the money. What? <laughs> this is like, okay, so that's the kind of stuff. It doesn't always happen, but it happens enough where you're like, that's not random anymore. It's exactly what the ritual is about. So, and there's one that scans radios to radio stations constantly. There's all these different random tools. Uh, that's what a lot of electronics do when the paranormal stuff. They're, they're like random tools. They have scanned random stuff, and then all of a sudden they blur out non-random but relevant comments. It's And when you do actually magic and have that happen, it's a little bit freaky at first. I think it's cool. It, it shows you on your that you're on the right path.
1: You said earlier that there was an incident where you actually got hit by something. Uh, Did you do something to make this entity angry?
0: Absolutely, I did. I was doing an exorcism. Oh, I see. It didn't want to leave, huh? No. Did not want to leave the person at, or the space. But that's, you know, exorcisms are, first of all, they're somewhat rare. Uh, and I was acting as a you know as, as people know i 'm initiated priest, and I was acting as a priest at that point and um like as a voodoo priest and this thing sometimes, like I said, sometimes they can be malevolent, not malevolent so much as just not human friendly and this thing was feeding on a person and their family and it had fed a lot, and it did not want to let go. Oh. So, so they try to scare you, right? Like you, you get enough force to hit you, right? And then what happens? Well, if you're like many people, that would be it. You'd freak them out, and in that case, they can feed off your fear, and you're not going to be able to actually keep going. And if you you don't do that. They had to waste a whole lot of of their energy to do that, at which point you just keep going, and that's going to be a lot easier.
1: How is it that a person becomes possessed? Is it from messing with the occult, or can it just happen just because? No, it
0: can just happen. I mean, you have to think about it. You don't necessarily have to mess to the. You don't necessarily have to mess with the occult to have them around, right? I mean the. Most fundamental Christian beliefs are that demons are real and Satan's real. That's already an opening. I mean, you don't have to... (laughs) The occultists are probably the least likely to get possessed because we're actually learning control of ourselves and our ability to control, dismiss, or otherwise negotiate with these negative forces. So they can't... Generally speaking, once you get... Some skills they're going to be the last person who gets possessed is, is somebody who's in is a magician, um, but fundamentally, many people in our society believe that demons are real, they believe that angels are real, you know, and there's a strong current to that, right? So like, and what happens, right? Like, we don't talk about it too often, but there's churches where you know, they'll bring you to the church and start doing exorcisms, like it used to be that only Jesuits should be able to do uh, exorcisms, but, you know, now you have all these churches doing exorcisms, so there's a lot of belief out there that these things are real and they mean us harm, and, whereas I think they're probably, at best, mostly animalistic, and uh, probably the dead are accidentally cause more issues than than these kind of infernal Creatures. Um, But they are a big part of the mythology of our shared culture. Uh, And by shared, I mean we are part of basically a Judeo-Christian society where over 60% of people probably believe in these forces. And if you believe in these forces enough, it's just enough to open the door. And now that goes back to the original comment. That isn't saying it's not just in their head either because they can create these Affects through enough po- belief. But a lot of times, maybe it isn't. Uh, but something just listens to the fear that's in your heart and comes there to feed on it.
1: So it's almost like these things can uh, sense your thoughts or, or know what you're thinking.
0: It's not so much that they know what you're thinking, but thoughts have vibrations. So... If you're afraid of a demon attacking you, it's not so much different if I said you want a demon to attack you, right? If you think about the fear, you're still giving these things attention. Like, I'm afraid a demon's going to attack me. If I said that, it literally means a couple things. Like, you believe in a demon and that they have power because you otherwise wouldn't be afraid that they would attack you. And that thought, those series of thoughts with enough emotion, it's the same as any other prayer or summoning. It's just whether or not they can connect to you at that point. And some people just um, have an easier time. They have an easier time connecting to spirits, but it's in a negative sense. And we call that possession, right? Where they get into the person's head and then start mucking around and causing all these problems. And if you walk, look at what the protocol is for what the expectations are when you're demonically possessed, most people will tend to manifest symptoms in the way you would expect for that. Now, the the, the traditional Catholic way of testing for exorcisms involves like seeing if the person can give you information that they otherwise would not have. And that that's one of the critical tests. That's a, is it just in their head or can they give you information they shouldn't have, like uh, like guessing like what's in a bag where you didn't show them what's in the bag? That's the example of that. But that's also kind of information if you learn how to harness it, it's pretty useful. Like if you can have information you shouldn't otherwise have. So it all comes down to this set of beliefs you're coming to this coming to the table with. You know, and and what you believe about these things. So, all the stories of demonic possession—that's not to say they're not real. It actually is. I'm actually saying because our society believes in them, they probably are real. It's just the idea to uh, to give it so much fear and so much credence probably doesn't help.
1: In your opinion, why is it that society people? governments, why is it that they don't believe in these things? Why do they believe that things like magic and demons are fake? Why do they want to believe this?
0: What are you saying? Why do governments want to believe that? Or why do people think that this is fake?
1: Um, Yeah, just generally, why is it that there almost seems like there's a movement to silence any sort of talk, to, to silence the Occult sort of beliefs—is it the church? Is it—is it the Catholic Church? Burning books? Uh,
0: well, so, you know, uh, it used to be—you know—that that's clear in the history, right? And there's a lot of social pressures, but let's take a step back. The ch- people who are hardcore Christians, and, and I think maybe you have some who are listening, they know that the power of God is real, right? if you're a, a, a really in the weeds Catholic, you can go to saints to cause changes in your life. You know, you can go to saints to intercede for you. You know, Protestants tend to not have some of those type of beliefs. Um, but even then, people who maybe, you know, are from a slightly different culture than the the dominant one, and not too far, they're still Christian, they know in the power of prayer. This is magic. It's just magic that's accepted by the dominant religion. You know, magic that's sanctioned by the dominant religion that of a culture we're part of. It's still magic. And it, it, oftentimes, more often than not, if they had somebody who could teach them how to, if they had somebody teach them how to pray right, They would know how to pray, and especially in many of the, you know, African communities and in the Hispanic, you know, some of these other communities, they know how to do this, that it's magic, and they're connecting to things like the Holy Spirit, or they're connecting to to what they believe is God, and they're getting, they're getting things to happen. So, we have to think about that. 60% of people in America, right now, believe in angels, right? this tells you that the material, even though I would like to be a scientist, and I I am a scientist, and I carry that into the cult, it just deals with what is the acceptable mechanisms that society will accept. And in this case, they are very Judeo-Christian metaphors that people will accept. And there's probably a few reasons for that that come down to stuff like social control, you know, Christianity is a religion in some forms, now like I myself have studied some Gnostic forms where it's more liberating, where you embrace the love of Christ over the restrictions. There's a lot of restrictions in many branches of Christianity, right? What do restrictions do? Well, restrictions allow you to make people guilty, they allow you to make people more controllable, and they allow you to provide in person a.k.a. the priest, who acts as the intermediary between you and the divine forces. And that allows those priests to have a very, very powerful amount of control over the psychological, even the sexual and emotional lives of the people who are underneath them, because they're acting as an intermediary to God. And this structure of religion has gone on for thousands of years and even since the ancient Egyptians this was probably from our earliest states after we went from shamanism to you know more natural shamanism to city states was a method to control the population and it still is
1: what is chaos magic
0: so there's an easy way to understand what chaos magic is. Let me explain why chaos magic, or something like it, it can have different names, has to exist. So let's say you start off in a paradigm, a system. You're Buddhist for seven years. You pray to the Buddhist every day and you're getting results, and one day you just wake up and decide it's not for you. And then you go and start taking up the runes, which is Nordic. Uh, magic, and it works too. If you actually study both of these two systems, they are mutually incompatible with the truths they offer about the universe. They cannot both exist at the same time, yet a person can, in fact, get results in both systems. If you study that, you have to come to some kind of odd meta system to say there may be no ultimate truth and everything is permitted. This forms the basis of chaos magic. It's an attitude towards magic where you don't necessarily accept the truth value of any system or dogma you're presented with, because it's logically, that isn't the only, that can't be the truth. As in, there cannot be an over, there might be an overriding truth, but it can't The dogmas of a system cannot be it because you can show conflicting dogmas that will at the same time get results. And at that point, everything stems from that understanding that because of that, you might be more free to change things and to augment them or make it work for you better than necessarily the rope. grimoires or memorizations or rituals, at that point it's an attitude which frees you to experiment. To really see what's going to work for you and what really gets results for you.
1: Where did chaos magic come from? Did somebody invent it or has it always been around?
0: You know, I think think when you talk to people in Conjure, particularly, and I mean not necessarily internet uh, on the internet, you know, conjure, which is African, American, group work and magic, I think you see this tendency of people just doing what works and kind of throwing away the stuff that doesn't. You know, when you talk to clever, wise men, as it were, in English witchcraft, and British witchcraft, you see them doing the same thing. They tend to take what works and throw away what doesn't, and then they share what their, their sons and daughters, what worked. So I think this notion of what Chaos Magic is doing is very much modern sorcery. It's modern sorcery in a nutshell. It's just a name for something that was has been going on in practicing magicians forever. You know, there's a difference between practicing magicians and, again, the priest class, right? The priest class, again, will want to have set dogmatic rituals, you know... Of a certain sort, but all magic is experimental in nature that you have to get it to work for yourself. So, you know, this idea of chaos magic goes back to anyone actually kind of doing low magic probably throughout the centuries. Where it actually starts is, is that in the UK in the 70s or so, Peter Carroll and a bunch of people got together and they realized that exact conclusion that I discussed earlier, that you cannot have conflicting views of the world if you are accepting that people are getting results in those conflicting views of the world. You have to have some meta way to step out of any system and say, we're going to do that. And because Peter Carroll was a mathematician at heart and a physicist at heart, and chaos mathematics was all the rage in the 70s. He named it Chaos Magic for like things like the butterfly effect and Chaos Mathematics. and It just had a double entendre to that. It just so happened in Greek mythology that the primordial force of the universe was also called Chaos. So there was a lot of reasons that probably mostly dealt with puns that he called it Chaos Magic.
1: If somebody wanted to get started in Chaos Magic what would you recommend they do first?
0: Well obviously I would have to recommend to go out and buy my book Hands of Chaos Magic right? Come on I'm just kidding that, <laughs> No that, that's,
1: that's fair enough I mean I'm I'm sure that book has your heart that's, and
0: soul in it What was that? Yeah right because um, I wrote it so I, I have to say that but really there's a lot that you can, there's a lot of good stuff and a lot of bad stuff on the internet too that you can find right off the bat and a lot of times, like the meditations, the first thing you can kind of learn sigils. All of this is in even the meditations in my book. But all the uh, the chaos magic book, Peter Carroll's book's a little uh, more theoretical, so it gets a little more difficult. But you know, Phil Hines' books, my books, there's a lot of material online. They can search out. Uh, it just depends on what voice that you like, what style. My book tends to focus on some of the energy model and practical magic techniques, practical magical exercises to actually develop real skills. Other books tend to focus on the, the theory a little bit more. So it just depends on, on what you want. But really, just do a search on chaos magic. You'll see all kinds of stuff, some good, some bad. Usually start with the simpler stuff, and that involves stuff like staring at a spot on the wall and breathing and getting that down, and then moving to the next thing.
1: Is it true that humans actually have some ability to shapeshift?
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, and it depends on where you're talking about. So many people believe in something called the astral plane. On the astral plane, humans have enormous amounts of ability to shapeshift if they're out of body. It's a learned skill. But you can present yourself as many different things after you learn how to do that. You know, mentally, we are shape-shifting all the time. You do not wear the same mask all the time. And, in fact, in this radio show, you're one person, right? But to your boss, you'd have a totally different mask. And you can view that as a type of shape-shifting, too. Now, the physical shape-shifting, of course, that's possible to you. But it's at a level that there's never been... We've never found a werewolf corpse. But we have do have a lot of stuff where people anthropologically could take over the body of another animal. And that gets into the skinwalkers and the Native Americans. There's Loop Guru in Voodoo, and there's a whole bunch of different mythologies that support that, and it's still difficult to do. But that said... Although you might not be able to do a werewolf, your body is changing all the time and your cells are changing all the time. In by meditation, by focused willpower and enchantment, you can do healings, which is a type of shape-shifting. You can strengthen your bones past probably what just the training would do. And there's you can go pretty far and what you can change about your own body. Now, there's limits, because we have this shared... I believe because we have this shared consensual reality. And at the same time, I think a powerful enough ritual, you might see someone shapeshift. Again, because the ritual is powerful enough to make your psychic senses override your physical sight. And again, that would show up on camera in weird ways, too. So can I if someone,
1: Yeah. Oh, I might be getting a little ahead here, but I was asking a question about the astral plane. If I wanted to meet up with some friends of mine, could we all meet up on the astral plane together? Yes.
0: But it might not necessarily work the way you expect. So, the astral plane it's partially a mental construct, it's partially not. depends on where you are in the astral plane. But what is the tool you have to use to interpret the astral plane, no matter what? You got me. What, what is it? It's your mind. It's your, your perceptions, right? So we're playing a game of telephone with the cans, right? When you go to an astral place, you might see similarities between what you experience and your friend's experience. But they might not be exactly the same because your mind is creating part of it, but part of it is probably pre-existing. And at that point, you're going to add different details, but you might see similar things. Even that is kind of miraculous, if you think about it. If you give someone... You can do this experiment once you get better at astral travel. Like, you can create an astral realm... You can go there and you can give like a sigil or a way to get there to a person and they can go there too and they'll pick up some thematic elements that are the same as as what you saw and created. That is, to me, that's already really cool. Now, the other problem is is that when we're talking, there's a lot of interpretation, even with the us with vocal, but when you get out of the five senses in the psychic, you can have a conversation. There could be a lot of details going back and forth, a lot of information, but it's much more interpreted. So there's a lot more room for error. It's not quite like as if I was standing there with the other person and having the discussion. I mean, even then, like we misremember those discussions and misremember what was said and multiple times our memory is can be confusing, but you can get to the point that information can be relayed. And the more specific information you try to relay as opposed to symbolic information, the more difficult it is to get it to be accurately picked up by another person. But it is a skill that can be developed between a group of people to a level that you can get some some real specifics down.
1: Are there aliens or demons that you might run into on the astral plane?
0: Well, absolutely. It depends on where you're doing it. If you're making your own astral temple, it's unlikely that that would be there. But if you are going to certain places that seem more infernal, you could possibly run into that. Aliens, it depends on what you mean by an alien. Certainly uh, spirits... There can be very alien, and they may actually be aliens. They may not. They may just be spirits. Spirits might be aliens in a different dimension. So those words get a little confusing. But if you free form and just go on an astral plane without kind of knowing what you're doing and just go out of body, you never know what's in your neighborhood. So you have to know where you're going and kind of take those precautions. So it certainly can happen. Especially, let's say, you go out of body in, like, a burnt-out factory or something where people are doing meth and stuff. What kind of spirits do you think are going to be there? (laughs) Well, that's, you know what I'm saying. What do you think is going to be there? It's not going to be positive things because that's not what feeds off of that type of stuff.
1: Yeah, what's interesting about what you just said is that people that are on methamphetamine, they're always talking about seeing tree people, shadow people, weird stuff.
0: Well... Chemicals, whether it's legal or not, tend to break down the level of societal engagement and tend to break down our sense of reality. So they can be useful tools. I'm not telling anyone to do anything illegal here, but they can be very useful tools to to shamans of old. That's pretty well known, but just in general, and the people who are necessarily so high that they cannot necessarily cognitively function in the same way at the same time, they're not as constrained by society and the expectations and the dominant kind of normal forces of normal everyday life. So they're already breaking outside of that, and then they might have experiences like what you're describing, like weird stuff. Now, obviously, you know, without some verification, you can't know whether that's just the drugs or it's a a spiritual encounter. So that's the stuff that's missing from their experience, is the verifications.
1: One popular topic you see in the field of conspiracy, UFOs, aliens, is this whole David Icke reptilian thing. Uh, Do these reptilians exist, in your opinion, or could they just be... Uh, demonic beings playing some kind of trick on people.
0: Well, if I meet one, I'll let you know. If someone pulls off their face, you know, like in that science fiction movie V, I'll let you know. (laughs) Uh, But I haven't met one yet. But there are people who do feel off in a way that would be consistent with something like you were describing. And that is something that can happen, where you know, if we accept that there may be spiritual forces in the universe, we probably should accept the fact that potentially they might influence people who are in power.
1: Is there a way that I could get started shape shifting on the astral plane?
0: Well, the first thing, obviously, we go back to meditation again. And the second thing is is try to create your own astral place. Now, it doesn't have to necessarily be as complicated as that sounds. Like, like you literally draw out a space. Like, as if you are making a comic book, or write out a space, as if you are writing a setting for a novel. A space that's just yours. And you spend the time with those artistic endeavors, and it doesn't have to be perfect art. You just have to be able to see it in your mind when you can close your eyes and visualize what you're creating. And that's a perfect place to go to. Like once you start practicing the different out-of-body techniques, you use those out-of-body techniques in kind of in different ways, whether it's pulling on the rope, pulling yourself out, whether it's meditating, whether it's um, any of the techniques where you're physically spinning and then falling so that we can get out of body, you make sure that you go there. And now that's a place that you've created, and it's relatively safe to kind of, Experience what it is like to be out of body and develop your skills to be able to see, hear, smell, all those things disconnected from necessarily your body. So that way you're in a place and you can have different smells. It's building your imagination in all those senses at the same time you're in a safe location. That's what I recommend to everyone. Everyone. Who wants to get international travel, to is to kind of work on that place for themselves that they can go to, that special place uh, where you could use that even if you're you're frustrated or something to go to that place and then go from there.
1: How do you feel about the Church of Satan?
0: I think uh, they, they, they used to throw really good parties.
1: Do you have friends that are Satanists?
0: Certainly. And there's multiple classes of Satanists, so we have, to, we have to talk about that, too. Not all Satanists are the same. And they don't believe the same things. Like, the Church of Satan is, a, is strictly materialistic. As in, they don't believe in spirits at all. And they don't believe in magic, really, at all. Uh, they believe in a strict materialist worldview... But they do know that through the rituals and the desecration they do, they can free themselves from the dominant social norms, which gives them more freedom to be whoever they want to be. There are such a thing as theistic Satanists that actually believe in a literal Satan and literal demons and will work with them uh, for power and other things. Is
1: Sometimes I hear that a lot of people are like these people in high up government positions and in the Catholic Church. They say that they're Luciferians. I know that there's a difference between Luciferians and Satanists, but in your opinion, is this character Lucifer,
0: this being or entity or, or whatever he is, is he a good guy? You know, in my opinion, and it's only my opinion, he is. Uh, and there's some historical uh, backgrounds to put him within the mythos of Prometheus, uh, who, if you study Prometheus, is the person who gives humanity fire. And and if you understand anything about fire and how it affected our development, we wouldn't have any technology without it. And oftentimes the idea of Lucifer being the adversary comes from a translation error uh, in the Bible where people made a mistake and translated Lucifer into the devil when really it was just talking about the morning star. And the entity and uh, the ideas of Lucifer in various places go through. But what is Lucifer at that point? It's the morning star. It predates the dawn every day. And so that presents a different picture of what that that spirit would be, as a, as a light bringer, as a literal light bringer. That's literally what Lucifer means, light bringer. Have, but, but that means something different than necessarily ignorance or or blind acceptance to dogma. So.
1: Have you ever thought about becoming a Freemason?
0: Uh, I have occasionally thought about becoming a Mason.
1: Is there a particular reason why you never
0: joined? I didn't know anyone who was in the Masons until recently. Is that something you'd still
1: consider, or are you just kind of good on your own?
0: No, I've been considering it, actually. Uh, There's a lot of, um, based on what I I can think, there's a lot of merit to uh, some of these rituals go... Back very long And although they have more modern Forms it's, There's things you can learn there
1: Are there Any at all Any forms of magic that you are Against or won't go near
0: There's some I don't like For stylistic reasons So I have a complaint About the style That's probably not what A lot of people would think right I'm saying I don't like the style of the magic um, now for myself you know I keep it on up and up I have a family so my magic practices will tend to be around things that are legal certainly there's people who are probably doing stuff that you can read but it's far less common than people think that might might not be um, might be what you think is the horror shows but it's very rare there's no reason for that I think and the, the people who do it I just think they're going to do it for their own reasons but I just the you know stuff like this you know certain types of sacrifices with people it's, maybe people are doing it but but outside of that you know there's enough room for everyone to practice whatever they want and like I said outside of my stylistic concerns I don't really have any limits to what I would try? There's some 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 stuff I just got bored of. Like I got bored of doing stuff with Cthulhu, and that's just because the people around were doing that kind of magic so much it got boring to me. So that's mostly when I get bored of it, I just I'll stop.
1: Cthulhu? Were, were you summoning Cthulhu? Is he actually real?
0: Well, the, again, the question is, can you get real facts? And the, the truth, the answer there is absolutely. Now, whether he's real, that's another question. Right? Can you, is anything that started real? Uh, I don't know. Certainly, Cthulhu is an entity and stuff like that that, you know, has a fictional basis. But so many people were working with that system, like, is it fictional? Or was, Lovecraft channeling something else and there's a lot of times where we have to ask is are these fictional things just fictional or are they tapping into something? I mean because really what is creativity when we're talking about these science fiction stories you know are they just inside people's heads? Well once they become a story they're not just inside one person's head right? They're certainly inside other people's heads, too, because they've read the story. So we can get into a lot of arguments about, well, is that real? And I would just ask everyone to ask one question. Is there anything in our society that hasn't started from a single thought? No. Our society, everything, every idea, you could call it a spirit, you can call it an idea, But even that, those ideas can change the world. It's just that it's depending on how we're looking at the ideas and how we're looking at these spirits. Certainly, if you summon Cthulhu, you might have an experience that changes your life. The experience is real. You had an experience which changed you not for whether or not it's for better or for worse, we could argue that point, but it's still real because it had an effect on your life. You know, these things, this idea that necessarily things that are of the imagination realms are not real is a byproduct of the modern scientific world. It's a byproduct of the mind, the scientific world that probably in older times they may not have had. Like It may be a modern construct. Because things inside your mind, while they might not have a material reality, they can certainly affect your life and they can certainly have power. Because ideas have power. Ideas might have more power nowadays than some people, if you think about it. Ideas, whether we call it a spirit or idea, some ideas are so powerful that they're reshaping our country right now is that a is that just an idea well if you put a personality to the idea then you might call it a spirit and you have a talk with it
1: and that does bring up a question that I planned on asking what do you think about this Donald Trump
0: well you know we're not supposed to talk about politics right because You know, what can you say about that? But if people, you know, I'll be open and honest, like not because I'm a cultist, but I I was volunteering for Bernie Sanders in the um, primaries because that's the world I want to live in. So what I think about Donald Trump is basically that's not the world I want to live in. And you don't need any supernatural reasons to explain Donald Trump. You simply can explain it away through the mere fact that he told people what he wanted, to he, what they wanted to hear, in the right places, and said it in a way that really got into people's heads. That's skill. Like now, some people can get conspiratorial and talk about the end of the world and all that, but realistically, when I watched the election, those are he's using lots of techniques that aren't. Neuro-linguistic programming, and he was saying it to the audiences that, was, uh, that would listen and would get riled up. And when people get riled up, they tend to actually do something like vote, and that's exactly what happened.
1: Would you say that neuro-linguistic programming is a form of magic?
0: Well, I think that if you really study magic throughout the ages... You have to understand that psychology derives from magical sources in the same way that chemistry derives from alchemical research. The methods and assumptions, the methods were very similar, the assumptions were different. One leads into the next. Once we can define something and easily replicate it, you know, we, we call it science. But It's that 1% of things that are edge cases to start with that still rest in magic. And many more things become science as we become more advanced, which tells you what I think what's going to eventually happen with magic too is that eventually we'll understand enough that it'll just be a form of science and we'll just understand it, a a way to understand how to utilize it. So I view all these things as magic... Because they can make powerful changes to your life and your inner world. Now, that said, probably sells more books and more materials if you steer clear of that label for them. Uh, but that's just because we, we have a bias against magic as a culture.
1: Now, so since we're, we're talking politics a little bit, I do want to ask you this. Is there... Is there an elite conspiracy of magic users ruling the world?
0: Well, I haven't met any, but I have a resume if anyone would like to uh, offer me a job. Come on, i was supposed to be humorous. <laughs> oh, I was taking you a little too literal. <laughs> well, 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 if you have a job offer that pays well, uh, you know, certainly I'd be willing. I'm a pretty talented magician, uh, you know, so there you go. But I haven't met any uh, elite so that doesn't mean it doesn't exist but I just haven't met any and I would tend to be scientific about that too like can you explain that away through other means people in power tend to want to stay in power and if people think that people in power don't necessarily believe in magic like I probably should think again you know Probably many of the people that have power, they know Ma- They probably know magic as real, too. And while they might not dabble because they can hire other people, I can guarantee you they are hiring people. Now, whether or not it's a cabal of evil, shape-shifting demon uh, people who are there, I don't, I don't know. But certainly, it doesn't take a lot to keep your power in place, you know, if you have magic on your side and you have the resources to throw at it.
1: Okay, and I did want to ask you about this as well. Uh, This is a form of magic that I hear is very powerful and can be even considered dangerous. I'm talking about Enochian magic. Have you ever gotten into that at all?
0: Sure. Uh, Enochian magic can be a little dangerous. It originally comes from uh, John Dee and uh, I forgot the other guy. Uh, there was two of them. Edward Keller? Yeah, Edward Kelly. Um, they basically s- scrite out a language of and a system a magic from channeling. So, it's very powerful. It does work. Um, it does make a lot of changes to you, actually, when you do it. More so. Sometimes I have trouble seeing how you can relate it to actual magic that gets results. But some people definitely make internal changes, radical internal changes, and can use that to make changes in their life. So it definitely, there's something to it. And it just takes a lot to actually get into it uh, and get into it. For an extended period of time, prefer my magic to be a little bit faster and more results uh, based than than some of the necessary preparations to use in knocking magic.
1: Would you ever attempt to summon an angel?
0: Well, sure. Why wouldn't I? Doesn't everyone? No, I'm just kidding. I mean, but in all seriousness, yeah, I would summon an angel and ask for help. Um, I might, I, I have done some knock work in the past, but just, the results were a, a little weird for me. So, in, in, not a bad way, but just not in ways that I would expect.
1: Really? Could you elaborate on that at all?
0: You get a lot of weird physical effects, but then, like, they're not concerned necessarily with, um, uh, money or tangible things. These are angels that hold up the cosmos, as it were. Um, So, and they they can definitely change you. But, you know, there's limits to how much time I've spent with Inakia and and Inakia Magic. Again, that is calling forth a bunch of... They're called angels, but I, I, I think of them as more like alien spirits... I don't really think of them quite in the way of angels, but uh, that's a contentious point. Or at least they're so alien they don't feel like angels to me, per se. Um, and these the spirits have enormous amounts of uh, specific spirits fit certain correspondences, and it uh, takes a like I said, it takes a long time to get it down.
1: Do we all do we all have guardian
0: angels? I don't know that everyone has a guardian angel per se, because that's myth. But everyone has a potential. Let's say a spark. This is just my Perlian personal opinion, right? I, I think almost anyone can do magic and can call forward that spark. We could call it soul. You can call it Kia. You can call it just this formless part of you that extends past life. Uh, And I wouldn't always even agree with my own statements on that, but I think it's there and you can do, you know, what you want with it. Like if you go through life and you're basically asleep, you'll never awaken to that. Like if you you just kind of react and you're just going through day-to-day things, it never gets developed. But then if you go a little further, you know, if you start uh, investing in some of these technologies and taking control of your life, I think all of a sudden in different ways, whether physical or whether you're taking care of your mental life, I think it comes to the surface and you start pursuing things that look like purpose-driven things. And I think that 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 is like the whispers of what people might call a soul coming into life and being built. And I don't necessarily think everyone adheres that, you know. So, guardian angel is a very Christian type of metaphor that spawns off into something like the holy guardian angel of classical ceremonial magic. But it might be more formless until you apply it and work on it. So... Earlier. And again, then again, again, remember, there's a lot of people who believe in that enough that they might create something that can fulfill that role.
1: Earlier tonight, you did mention Gnosticism or Gnostics. Is Gnosticism something that you have studied and something that you've applied to your personal beliefs?
0: I've certainly had experiences with the Christos spirit. And in Gnosticism, the way to think about Jesus is not necessarily as an incarnate being per se. Um, anyone can access the Christos spirit in, in Gnostic philosophies. You, you can find that place within yourself that resonates with the Christos spirit of love and, and kind of emulate that out. Um, whereas in standard Christianity, obviously you there's Jesus, but he's not also inside of you. That's the basic difference. And certainly I've had experiences where I've felt that and, uh, inside and kind of tried to work with that a little. Uh, you know, very powerful stuff. It's, it's like a lot of different traditions are very powerful once you get into it. And this is one that, you know, especially if you're looking to see the brighter side of people when you start emanating out and actually being able to express that kind of divine love that is the crystal spirit from my experience you really can change your perception in in the world and the way people are interacting and how forgiving you are it's very it's useful that's the best way to say it
1: Have you ever, or I guess I should rephrase this, is it possible to create what are known as tulpas or thought forms?
0: Absolutely. We've kind of been dancing around this question a lot of the night, right? That artificial spirits can exist. And that people can create, possibly even be strong enough with enough force, create... Things that would possess them, like topos that would possess them. Topos are specific to Buddhism, so it's a little bit, uh, the name has connotations, but they're very much similar. There's lots of different ways to create artificial spirits. And in hands-on cast magic, I actually go through some ways to create artificial spirits. Servitors, things that other people might actually be able to see and actually feel and feel their presence, but they're artificially created. And in fact, if there's strong enough emotions involved with some of our patterns and they can take a life of their own and have a spiritual force called thought forms too. So there's many different ways to create artificial spirits and they actually can interact with their lives in different ways. And in fact, you know, some people go so far to say that most spirits are artificially created. I don't know if I buy that. But it's something that people actually believe too, and then they evolve because into their own intelligence and do their own thing.
1: Was Alistair Crowley the greatest magician of all time? I don't know about that,
0: but he certainly wasn't the worst either. I think um, in our modern Western revival of the occult. We owe a lot to Mr. Crowley. Uh, Even if he, you know, you go through the stories and it was very flamboyant and maybe some people will argue about his research, he really brought it to the forefront of everyone's mind again. Like, he really brought the occult into a real, the consciousness into the everyday not every day, but many more people's lives. Um, especially setting up the changes, kind of, that people who maybe were more serious into personal spirituality really had some solid foundations and really had some good setup in the late 60s from Crowley's work. And and it swad, I think it spiraled from there. So I think we, we can't. He is, in fact, a very controversial figure, and his magical ability is very controversial, but we have to say we owe him a big debt as far as bringing the stuff and causing the interest uh, that people explored in the 60s and then 70s and even through now.
1: Is there, like, let's say that I did want to actually take that step and do a summoning is there a specific entity that might be kind of more on the safe side for a beginner like me?
0: Well, generally speaking, angels, are thought of as a little easier to work with, but it also depends on where you're coming from. You know, certain people are going to resonate with certain spirits a little more. So you gotta at least do some thinking about yourself, you know? So generally speaking, one of the four Cardinal Archangels are generally considered a little safer The saints are considered a little more safer depending on the saint. Uh, Those are considered a little easier. However, if you're raised in China, you might consider working out the techniques with a Buddha. Uh, There's different Buddhist spirits, like some of the the easier Buddhists, compassionate Buddhists. So all these things tend towards positive emotions are usually going to be a little easier at first. That doesn't mean there's no possible problems. Even exposed to positive emotions can be difficult if you're struggling with that positive state of mind. So I want people to listen and keep in mind. So the angels usually are good to start with you know positive spirits things that seem like they have a positive intention. Also good. You know, they're a little easier. That said, like I said, it does depend on your personality. Some people will be will like the dark stuff a lot easier, and they just uh, will resonate with it more. And at that point, that's where they should go. It's helpful, you know, once you get meditation down and stuff like that. It might be helpful to talk to a couple people. In your local community, see if there's a couple people that you can get coaching from, or or something. I'm not I don't necessarily know that the formal mentor mentor relationship works as well with the Western mindset. And there's a lot of problems even in India and in China with the um, with the guru systems per se. But it's probably good to occasionally talk to people and just see. You know, if you can work with them just that, and you like what they have to say, and they seem to make sense. And at that point, when you're starting your summoning work, uh, it's good to have them just on your contact list, as it were, um, just in case something goes wrong. Now, in most cases, at first, when you first start the summoning work, you're trying to summon an angel, or try if you're working with a uh, Buddhist spirit, or your Hindu spirit, like Ganesh, you know, you're going to not have that much happen until you get the skills down.
1: How can I make money using magic? This is is something that everybody wants
0: to know. Well, okay. So there's two things, right? You can certainly do... Well, lots of people are selling things, uh, uh, magical things, right? The, really, the uh, commercialization of magic is a pretty big thing right now. So there's that road. I don't want to talk about that road because I'll just, people will just send me hate mail at that point of what I have to say. But you can do spells and work to draw money in, right? That will work once you get the skills down. But you know, for most people, you know what happens when you get more money? It goes right out. Yeah. Um, Because you can literally look at this too. You'll do spell work to get more money and your expenses will increase. At the same time. So you have to be thoughtful about it. And there's a difference between drawing more money to you and more wealth to you, and at the point at which you're trying to become wealthier in a sense to, to change your standing in society, probably involves not only many life steps and the magic helping you on the way, but also like a fundamental shift in, in your mindset. So, money, like I said, now people can get my book, do Sigil Magic for Money, and they'll probably see some more money come to them. They might even ask for a whole bunch more to come to them, and then something like their car will break, you know, or they'll get hit in their car and they'll get insurance money. There's all kinds of ways to do that, right? But in a better sense, a better question, I think, for most people, what they ask isn't they'll just have more money, What they really, really want is to be in a different state of financial being. That's going to take more work. And that involves all these different parts from self-esteem, self-confidence, self-transformation, to being able to clear your head out to know what you should do, what you're passionate about, and, and kind of following those things. And then using the magic to bring more and more money into your life at the same time you're pursuing those greater goals. And that that really is a much greater process than just the money. The money thing is actually the easiest. Keeping it from going out and moving to a different financial state is is harder because it takes more steps.
1: Seems like a lot of people
0: just have a problem saving. Well, I don't want to say a lot of people just have problems saving. I think it's way more complicated than that. Uh, You know, most people I think are one check away from not being able to live. So it's really hard to save when you're at that level, even probably a listener of the show. You know, and then that point then, there's also a lot of different psychological pressures, like, you know, if somebody works all the time and they're working 60 hours a week, of course, they're going to want to spend some money to internally justify all the work they're going to do, right? It's just a social, it's just a mental pressure. They want to have something that they enjoy because there's so much work. That's because the system's out of balance, right? We don't need those things, we could save money, but money itself wants to be spent, So and people want stuff, and, and there's no judgment there. But there is, a, there is the reason that often we spend that kind of thing is because we're burning ourselves out of jobs we don't care about that don't have any meaning. So we try to substitute stuff for that. And that's why if you really wanna change your state, your wealth state. You really have to start analyzing and think about, hey, what do I really want to do, and then start working on business plans and you know strategic and putting it into plans to move forward towards doing that. Even artists can make money. They just have to get the plan together and, and how to build slowly, essentially. So. I'm not just saying only, uh, you know, only artists don't you know want to make money. But anything hobby you have, people have built a business out of it. If you really enjoy it, then it's just a matter of uh, figuring out the how, and that's a different question. But it's a lot easier to figure out the how and stay enthusiastic if you like what you're doing, and you really love it. And that's the first step for most people is to figure that out, um, because Otherwise, yeah, all the stuff you talk about, people not being able to save, that's a consequence of working in in an environment that really burns you out because it, you just don't want to do it. You want to do something that we really enjoy or that has meaning to you, and when it doesn't, it's why people in pain tend to self-medicate. It's just a type of self-medication. And that's not bad or good. It's just how we are as, as human beings.
1: Why did you become interested in voodoo?
0: Well, that was a weird situation that they got interested in me. And I kept having dreams of all, all those spirits. And I really put them through the ringer as far as testing. Um, as far as any time I would ask, they would do stuff for me. In fact, any time I would ask them, they would do stuff for me. You know, it's, I can't say that for all spirits, but for them I can and they would never say no. And if they ever said, uh, maybe not, maybe we don't want to do that, um, it really wants to give me reasons. And, you know, what people don't realize is, is my great-grandmother. Well, she's African-American. And it just, the whole system just seems natural to me. And uh, the spirits, like I said, are just there. And I just, I kept dreaming about them. And even when I was a kid, I would dream about drums sometimes. So it's a weird situation where I think they got uh, they got interested in me, and then I just started paying attention. <laughs> these are voodoo spirits. Yeah.
1: Have you ever done one of these voodoo zombie trances? Have you ever done anything like that?
0: Well, the zombie stuff comes from the basically this fish. Uh, And well, there's other ways to do the zombie, but it's a punishment. So uh, you wouldn't do that normally unless you were being punished. Um, And then it's... You basically... The person is basically drugged and you're, you're buried alive, basically. And you come out, but there's brain damage or other things. And at the same time, people may, of course, be able to capture you know, part of your essence or your your soul at that point because you've been buried and all kinds of stuff. So it's usually used as a punishment for people who would break the society rules in a real severe way. So when you talk about the zombie thing, of course I haven't had a zombie trance because I haven't been such a jerk that I needed to be punished in that way, right? Um, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, that's a hell of a punishment, I'll tell you.
0: It is used for people that the community in Haiti decides needs to be punished. And it's not just one person, right? It's the community decides. Um and That's not to say that there isn't some people down there doing unethical stuff that might do that. But usually it's a community punishment. And usually it's for really heinous crimes. Like things that You know, you might get to, you know... Well,
1: basically, it's their version of the electric chair. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Okay, that kind of puts it into perspective.
0: You know, except it's at the point at which you're becoming a zombie and you're getting controlled by someone else, right? (laughs) Yeah. You still can work, you know, so you can get put to the fields or other things or... You can make amends, especially if there's a lot of loss that you caused. You can't make amends, but you know what I'm saying. You can make the person's life a little better or the the community's life in the way that after you damaged it.
1: Let's say that somebody is getting involved. Uh, Let's say I piss somebody off, like I say something I shouldn't say on this radio show and I, I make an enemy that wants to curse me. What's the best way that I can block this curse?
0: There's two very easy ways. First, if you can seriously and powerfully have the meditation down and keep your emotions in check, that is going to help you go a long way because some curses are powerful enough that they'll just affect reality and you'll get sick or something. Most curses from most people, what happens is they'll get to you and they stick to you and then they get under your skin and they start changing your energy system and then your luck starts going a little bad and then you start getting emotionally unraveled and then you have problems sleeping and then you start having more bad luck. So the easiest way to stop that is if you have emotional control and you're doing the banishing right from the start, then it doesn't stick to you, and you remove the kind of negative energy right from the start. And that's honestly the easiest way. And, and you could do that by just simple techniques, like of, of just learning to meditate and focus, and you could do stuff like visualize a light around you with all five of your senses for a few minutes, and eventually the energy of the curse will be dissolved. Now if it's someone real powerful, you have to realize they might be able to get it through. You know, but then still, at the point at which you're doing this meditation and you're doing that like white light example every day, it's going to get weaker and weaker over time. If somebody is going to have to really commit to doing that over and over and over, you've probably made an enemy that is, uh, well beyond what would happen if they're just listening to the show. <laughs> Like, as in, you know, you took their job or their wife or something. Yeah, You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah, I'm not into doing stuff like that. Right, but remember, curses take energy to throw. They take time and effort. So if a person is going to reinforce a curse for an extended period of time, they have to be really dedicated. And for most people throwing curses, that means that they really have to have a reason. Otherwise it's one and done, right? Most people are going to throw a curse, get it out of their system, and that can easily be usually distilled away.
1: Now, let's, right. say, so, let's say somebody does do that. Or, are they going to cause themselves in the future to undergo some karma? Like, if I was to curse somebody, can I expect, like, a threefold backlash effect from doing that?
0: Probably not. Not in my experience. Somebody who would know how to do that wouldn't uh fall into the traps that cause the backlash. They would probably be able to do that without having that happen. And that comes from training, really. I know there's lots of people who believe in the threefold law, and if you believe in it, it will absolutely happen. In fact, if you have any remorse when you throw a curse that the person maybe didn't deserve it, you will probably have backlashes. You know, because you wouldn't actually deal with the person that way. You know what I'm saying? You wouldn't actually, like, you know, if you're willing to throw a curse, you had better be willing to also go to take a baseball bat, right? If you're not at that level, you're probably conflicted about it. And that's where people get in trouble with curses. Uh, because most of the time, unless you've really pissed somebody off, most people, they're probably good people, are going to, even if they're angry, you know, they wouldn't want to go to someone's house and take a baseball bat to their head. You know, and that's kind of what a curse is. So if you, you're conflicted about that, people conflicted about that, you're going to start getting in trouble because you're not internally consistent about the curse you're throwing.
1: Do you believe in telepathy?
0: Certainly, yeah. Ever experienced it? You know, not, definitely with emotions. Distance emotions. And definitely with ideas being transferred from one person to another. Again, it gets hard to get specifics down from one person to another. And if I had more time and a little bit of money, I might try to set up Uh, studies to actually try to see how far you can go with telepathy when you're practicing it.
1: How do you feel about... How do you feel about uh, drugs, like psychedelic drugs or cannabis?
0: Well, of course, officially, you know, they're not legal in the United States. (laughs) So, the party line is, you know, don't do illegal stuff. That said... That can be very useful, uh, to shake up your mind. Especially if you can find in your area some of these things are legal. I don't know how much cannabis does that, but there are other substances that may help, um, shake up your own internal patterns in a way that's positive. And in countries where it's legal to do research, it seems like things like shrooms and possibly LSD have treatments for things like post traumatic stress disorder, which again, they do that by restructuring the brain, um, and other anxiety disorders, even alcoholism, drug, other drug problems like heroin, because uh, they restructure the connections which were causing some of those things. Obviously, I'm talking about places that are legal. So, there's a lot of uses when we start studying this in a scientific way for some of those substances and of course shamans for thousands of years have been using these substances for exactly that purpose to restructure their brain and to take them in different places
1: have you looked into Jewish mysticism also known as the Kabbalah
0: certainly and on occasion yeah I have a few occult books here on the Kabbalah just a a couple as in, like a whole bunch. <laughs> okay.
1: <laughs> Is it something you'd you'd recommend for a burgeoning occultist to look into?
0: You know, there's a lot of material in the Kabbalah, and it provides a map, as it were. Um, it provides a map that to the universe that you can work with and that's useful actually in a lot of ways um, because it gives you a spiritual pathway to follow to move forward and to be able to do things Um, so it's a useful map to the universe but the thing about the universe is of course that the map is the map it's not necessarily the universe and people have to keep that in mind
1: is it a good idea to use protection spells on a daily basis
0: That would seem a little excessive to me Um, by a little bit, so probably not. But something like a cleansing or centering every day is a good idea. It's, It's probably a pretty good idea. You know, like I said, the protection spell would seem like a little bit much every day. I think the way some people use those protection spells are like I said in a lot of cases they are used as a centering or a banishing and cleansing as it were purification
1: would you recommend the the lesser banishment spell of the pentagram
0: if you can get that ritual down that is a good ritual for self transformation it's really it it really kind of cleans out your energy system and um, can be could be a really useful ritual. You have to practice it. It takes a little bit to get down. To be honest, it's not you just you don't just do it and then like yeah. You, you have to memorize it. You have to get it down. You have to go further to connect with the names of God and the angels in that ritual, and take it from there. So it takes takes a lot of effort for that one. But it's, it's very, it um, can be worth it.
1: Is it true that things like advertising and marketing can actually be considered a form
0: of magic?
2: If you consider NLP
0: a form of magic, you should consider those things a type of magic as well. For obvious reasons, they do the same thing. Present an idea in your head that are not necessarily in your control. And then you act on them. Now we can call that magic or science but from the point of view of somebody trying to gain greater and greater control over their life it's a problem. So people should think about that like certainly ideas have power and those ideas like that has a lot of power to influence you. You know John Michael Greer would say that advertising is one of the blackest magics because it's for getting you to do things that are not necessarily in your best interest. And so we can certainly think about that as a type of magic. And if you do think about it as a type of magic, you would have to admit it for most people. It's a very, very strong type of magic.
1: Are we, are we in some kind of end of days or revel- revelations or are we entering into some kind of new age? Well,
0: the name of the radio show, your radio show is end of days, right? So Yeah, I'd, I'd say that possible. one for last. <laughs> um, there's a lot of things happening right now that at least point to the idea of a possible new age. Um, I think we can sufficely And honestly say, not just from a spiritual point of view, that we're seeing the real kind of edges of uh, the real breaking points and kind of cracks of what would be considered late-stage capitalism. You know, we're seeing that start to break down, which was the dominant economic philosophy of the world, of any successful com- countries in the world, and it's starting to break down. We're at a point of many, many, many technological breakthroughs that are just becoming impossible for us to keep up with. You know, we're hitting technological singularities that have to change who we are. Uh, and all these things are coming together with the aspects of spirituality that honestly things have to change one way or another we might go to the stars or we might end up in caves it's still going to be a massive change and our society won't be the same so either way we're going to go into a new age we just haven't decided as a species yet which way it's going to go
1: have you seen this Marvel superhero movie Doctor Strange
0: sure did you like it? Being a comic book fan, I have to admit that uh, there were some disappointments, but it was enjoyable uh, since Doctor Strange was one of my favorite comics. Quite the same as the comics, but I enjoyed the movie nonetheless.
1: Was there anything in particular that bugged you that they didn't get right?
0: Uh, his teacher was uh, an, was a... in the comics was was an older Chinese... Was an older Tibetan man, and that's kind of important because it goes back to the the lineage of um, stuff, right? It, it's it's a big change, but in general, you know, it was an enjoyable movie. Besides that, I could get into thematic elements like how could somebody who just busted all these people up lose in the end? But that's just a plot hole, right? <laughs> yeah.
1: Are there you said you're a comic book guy uh do you have a, a favorite comic book series a favorite
0: character which ones do you like the best Well for a lot of years Doctor Strange was one of my favorites uh that I mean obviously before I became a magician it was one of my favorites which might say something like where my subconscious mind was at it there uh, even as a kid so um then of course you know I don't have as many collections anymore, being a family guy, but you know, back in the day, would follow stuff like Hellraiser and certainly uh, lots of um, some of the stuff. Not the not as many of the mainstream comics, of course. Um, you know, do you stuff.
1: do you watch the show Game of Thrones?
0: You know, I've never got into that uh, so far. It hasn't bitten me. I figure I will watch the whole series when they're done.
1: (laughs) Are there any other movies or TV series about magic or the occult that you did enjoy?
0: You know, there's a few movies that I enjoy a lot of movies about the, the occult. Now, I realize that a lot of them are not necessarily accurate. You know, like, I thought... The craft was funny, of course, you know, and you know some of the other like witchy movies, you know, uh, definitely funny. You know, Hollywood doesn't do a good job in representing accurate the occult in accurate ways in any sort of way. Um, that said, there are some animes that I've really enjoy Um, because they get a lot right like stuff like Bleach if you watch the show almost everything in Bleach which is a very popular anime happens on the astral plane it doesn't happen in a physical plane at all it all happens on the astral plane and you can have those kind of experiences on the astral plane Um, so there's a lot there that that I really enjoyed there was this one movie that I liked called "The Irrefutable Truth About Demons It's just because I thought it was it was pretty funny, but it wasn't it wasn't accurate either, really, uh, in in the kind of uh, representations that we have. I don't think I've seen many movies that were really accurate about uh, what can happen. But you have to also realize in many of the high fantasy books. That deal with magic, they don't happen in our world. There's a step where the people step through to some other world, which is could be. It's a metaphor for going on the astral plane, so they're very possible.
1: Awesome, I'm I'm kind of a, a nerdy guy myself, so I, I obviously I know a lot of comic books and anime. Bleach is a good one. I I follow that one as well. I think it actually. Just ended recently, but that's definitely a good recommendation.
0: Bleach actually is very interesting because if you watch the show throughout the whole show, everything happens on the astral plane. And people cannot see spirits normally, but they can affect people's lives. Now, it's over-dramatized, of course, right? It's, it's you know, people fall down and they get hurt all of a sudden because the spirit is there. And maybe that can't quite happen, but it's, if you tone down the dramatization, that's kind of how it is. Like, spirits can affect people without them even being seen or getting inside their heads or cause problems. You know, like trip them when they're going down the stairs, all kinds of stuff like that actually does happen. And in Bleach is, I think, a really good example of, like, a whole class of the dead being developed and other things all happening on the astral plane where people are actually going out and trying to solve some of these problems that spirits can sometimes create on the astral plane. I think that that's, that's a uh, great show about you can have those kind of adventures and deal with spirits on the astral plane in that way um, to get rid of them or other things and try to purify them. So that was, that was good. Uh, you know, outside of that, I have to think about it because a little bit more, because like I said Hollywood doesn't do a, do magicians any favors by what they represent, because it makes it look like it's just crazy and stupid, um, that the stuff isn't possible, none of it's possible and who wants to watch a show where a person's just sitting in a chair and meditating for an hour that would be a boring show, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know I mean, but there are, like I said, it's not just Bleach too. I mean, like, even stuff like Naruto is going over a highly dramatized, yet it is dealing with how you develop inner power, you know, from those points of views. So uh, there was one show, which I'm showing how much of an anime fan I am, called Magi, which dealt with the Memeganeton in a different way. That was interesting. And they got some things right, but again, you have, you're fictionalizing it. You're making it much more impressive than what necessarily is happening. You know. Now, the the one show that I saw that I thought was profound and possible was the O.A. Everything in there. That was a Netflix film show. It was highly controversial, um, and it dealt with near-death experiences and people developing some psychic skills after the near-death experience and using that to channel movements that created really circumstantial magic. You could just explain away or easily explain away that the person was just insane. Uh, from the things that they they were experiencing. There was other explanations. And that is probably pretty accurate to how magic is. There's always different explanations. It's easy to explain away. Oh, okay, this person got better because the doctors were taking care of them. That's one explanation. Or it could be the healing magic that was going on or a combination of the two because this yes or no answer, right, that it's either the doctor or the magic doesn't work that way what if the magic impacts the doctor to actually treat people correctly you know so that's why you're dealing with complex changes that make it more difficult to come to that but the OA was a show that I would watch uh, that I really watched and enjoyed because it was ambivalent Uh, and that was really I think even how the magic worked was ambivalent and that's how the how magic is it, it? Resists absolute answers, and so I like that show a lot to get away from the anime a little bit to talk about that because even when you watch, if you watch that show on, and it's available on Netflix, it's a Netflix original. When you watch them doing the motions, that actually those kind of developing gestures like that, there's whole magical systems that are about that. So. It's rooted in actual stuff, and uh that show, like I said, was good because it was ambivalent. It didn't, you couldn't really say whether or not the magic was real, absolutely. But what you could say is it definitely had a positive impact on some of the people's lives. And that's probably the that's probably the best um, thing any magician can say is that they can say. That is a result of magic. There's positive changes in my life, those around me, and those I care about.
1: We are getting to, we are getting close to the end of our interview, but what I'd like to do here at the end is just go ahead and open things up. And if there's anything that you'd like to say, if you'd like to get off, if you'd like to get up on the soapbox one more time and, and say one last thing and or follow that up with some plugs, Uh, Feel free to do that now, Andre.
0: I don't have any soapbox stuff tonight, you know. A lot of the stuff that I talked about, meditation and kind of stuff like I I said, I wrote Hands on Chaos Magic. You can get that on Amazon or any bookstore. Do support your local bookstores. Just ask them. They can get you a copy, Hands on Chaos Magic. You know, please support. Please buy it. It encourages me to write another book. I am running a shape-shifting class as well. Um... And that class goes through mental shape-shifting uh, to adapt to your current situations, up to astral shape-shifting, and even using shape-shifting-like techniques to get into better health over time. So it goes through the whole gambit of, of transforming your life, and people have had wondrous changes from getting new uh, fiancés out of the course to finishing off... Uh, Masters and PhD programs to getting radical levels of wealth improvement in their life, not just more money. Um, so, if you have a chance, check it out. Uh, and the only south box box thing I want everyone to understand is, you know, it's you just try some of it out and see. Have an open mind; you might be surprised what happens. Like realistically you probably are more than you believe and you can do a lot more and even if all this stuff the cult stuff just opens up you to be able to get greater control of your own life it's done a miraculous service and a lot of it just try it out see what happens come out of a skeptical eye once you try it out enough I guarantee you, you'll it'll still come to some of the same conclusions that maybe some of this, there's some, something to all this. And we might argue what that something is, and maybe over beer, I might argue differently, but you still come to it that there's some value in it. And, and I think that's what I'd like to leave everyone. Just try, do something, even meditate, you'll start seeing the stuff makes starts making changes in your life. And some for the better.
1: All right. This has been a really awesome conversation, and I would certainly love to do this again some at some point in the future.
0: Absolutely. When, when you want to invite me back, just, just invite me back. I'll be glad to come back.
1: Okay, awesome. And on that note, you have a very good night, my friend.
0: Thank you. Have a great night yourself.
1: Bye. And there you have it, folks. That was Andre Vitimus, the occultist, magician, philosopher, author extraordinaire. What an awesome guest. This is Magic Month on End of Days Radio. We just completed our third show this month on magic. We are learning so much at the end of this all. I'm sure that we're going to rip a hole in reality or create some sort of portal. That would be a best-case scenario. (laughs) But it is that time. That means that it is time to go on a little bit of a break. I'm going to go ahead and play some music for you, and then we can come back, talk about some news stories. I got some more fan mail that I have to read, and I got a few things I want to go over too. Some things about the show, some opinions that I have, We'll talk about it after the break. See you soon, or talk to you soon. I mean, hello and welcome back to the end of days.
0: Uh, sorry for that
1: squeaking. Need to get comfortable. This is end of days radio. I am your host, Daniel, the guardian of the night. Just kidding. The watcher in the window. That's creepy. What's going on, everybody? Are you excited as I am to be here? This is our news and listener roundtable segment of our show. But I do want to start off by making a little bit of an announcement. So I've been doing a lot of thinking, and one thing that I keep doing, one mistake that I keep making, and I I've been doing it like almost every time is I forget to bring on the callers during the guest. I get so wrapped up in what I'm doing, I completely forget about it. By the time I remember it, it's almost to the end of the interview. But it leaves too small of a time window there for anybody to call in. So I'm gonna change things a little bit. I'm gonna go ahead and open it up and say, go ahead and call in at any point when the guest is on. Please, just give me ten to twenty minutes to warm them up to establish a little bit of a little bit of a conversation before you do call. Don't start calling as soon as they come on because that would feel weird, obviously. I mean, you guys aren't dumb, right? Of course you're not. You wouldn't be listening to the show if you were so just give me like. <laughs> Just give me like 10, 15 minutes to start, and then you can call in, and I won't bother asking the guests if they'll take calls. It's just something that we do on air. That's how it always is. So that's gonna be a big change. The way that I was doing it before didn't really feel right. It just wasn't working. I was forgetting, there wasn't enough time, and this is something that's always evol- evolving, it's always improving. You know, Sometimes I might make a change, it might seem like a bummer, and I might change it back. Or I might keep the change if it really feels like it's better. So this is always evolving. I don't ever want to be set in my way. So that's not a good idea. Ever doing anything. You should always be open to the possibility that there's a better way of doing this or that. Anyways. I do... I do want to talk about the email situation. Uh, another thing that I've been slacking on is not giving out my email. I, people are always trying to get a hold of me, and they're telling me, Daniel, you want people to give you feedback, but you never tell them what your email is. It's just one of those little things that I miss. I try to be on top of everything, but I, I miss it. My email is Daniel. End of days radio at gmail.com that's Daniel endofdaysradio at gmail.com it couldn't possibly be easier to remember so if you have any feedback if you have anything you'd like to say if, you'd like to, if you have anything you'd like me to read or play on the air go ahead and send it to that email address as opposed to going to the website and getting my email off of there not everybody out there is tech savvy they'll go to the website they'll get lost they won't even find the email But if you are looking for it there, it's it's on the About Us page. And I do have some emails here that I would like to read. This is the first one. The person wants to be called Violet Lady. Violet Lady. Hi, Daniel. It is Christopher Columbus, not Columbo. You may be mixing him up with a TV show. I guess this is in regards to, I was joking around the other day on the show and I said I was going to explore the world to prove if it's flat and I said Christopher Columbo instead of Christopher Columbus. I apologize. It's Christopher Columbus, not Christopher Columbo. So thank you, Violet Lady, for that correction. That's very kind of you. Very nice of you to point out my error. This is the second letter. It says, hey there, dude. Daniel, you seriously need to talk about the Sandy Hook thing. This is from Chad Bear. Okay, so I know what you're talking about, Chad Bear. You are talking about that thing that I keep bringing up where I say that I had some first-hand evidence for Sandy Hook being a hoax. <coughs> So I can explain that real quick. I think I might have done it before, but I'll do it again real quick since you asked. So right after Sandy Hook happened, I don't know exactly how long. It might have been a couple weeks. Well, there was this article that went up on a conspiracy website. No, I'm sorry. Actually, it was a YouTube video that somebody put up where they were going online And they were showing all these websites that had actually been created before the Sandy Hook shooting happened. These websites were charities. They were charities set up on Facebook. Some were just plain web pages, started from scratch. Some were Facebook pages. And they were timestamped, meaning the server said on the page, on the post that was made, like if you go into, if you have a blog and you make a post in your blog. It'll show the date and time when it was made. Well, all these charities were set up before Sandy Hook. And in the video the person explained that you could do something with Google to actually search through the web's history and find all these different examples of web pages that were created that are times that were timestamped before the Sandy Hook event actually occurred. And I did it. I actually went in there they I'm sure they've all been erased by now but at the time I went in there and I found them and I saw with my own eyes that these website these websites these these blog posts that were created these Facebook pages indeed they were created before the event happened it's like a day before pretty friggin weird right definitely definitely changed my perspective on things at that point it became undeniable to me that, combined with all the other evidence, the fact that they demolished everything right away, the fact that there wasn't any CCTV footage at all, the fact that Sandy Hook is this isolated location, the drills that they were running, the medical examiner, the the medical examiner that was acting all kinds of weird, the guy that claimed to have been pulling dying children into his house, and Stacking them all up in his living room, and he was crying. It, all of that stuff just didn't add up. And I know what you're, I know what some of you guys are going to say. I get this stuff all the time because I'm always saying awful things. But you're going to say that I'm being heartless, that I'm not taking the children into consideration, that I'm not taking the parents into consideration, and, and that very well that very well may be true. Hold on, let me get some out of you, me. I'm I'm slurring. I'm slurring my words. Uh, the more Mountain you I drink, the smarter I get. Anyways, so I know you guys are gonna get mad, some of you guys, and I don't. I don't mean to disrespect or not take any horrible situation seriously. I'm not a callous person. It's not that I don't feel for the people that died in 9/11 or Sandy Hook or anything else. But there is a lot of evidence there that it was a false flag. And I have no problem looking into that. I have no problem talking about it because false flag events are a very real phenomena in this modern age and throughout history. So there's nothing wrong with looking into it. I can understand how some people might get offended if you say things like Sandy Hook didn't happen, 9/11 was a conspiracy. Um, <laughs> you know, there's there's all kinds of horrible offensive things that I that are running through my head right now, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to be the old me and start blabbing awful things. It's it's good to exercise a little bit of tact. Be, be a little bit, be a little bit political. You don't want to walk around offending everybody, even though you might be saying things that are true. You just got to take into account the people that you are talking to and being respectful to their culture or their beliefs. So, you know, there's a time and a place for it, for it. There's a time and a place for it. This is a conspiracy show. This is a show about the occult, about things that are fringe, about things that are weird, so it's perfectly appropriate to talk about these types of things on this show. I, there is a limit that I do have. Like I said, what was it, yesterday when we were live? I'm not going to talk to somebody that's a pedophile. I'm not going to talk to somebody that's a murderer. I'm not going to talk to somebody that has done anything that is just completely evil and wrong. Looks like we got a call. Hello there.
2: Hey Daniel.
1: Hey there, buddy.
2: How are you, my man?
1: I'm doing good.
2: Oh good. It was uh awesome that you had a chaos magician on to explain magic in in such a you know straightforward as possible um way tonight.
1: Yeah, I thought that it was finally time that we devoted a good amount of episodes to this little thing called Magic.
2: Oh, I really like that, the Magic Lizard Month. You you, you know um, who called himself the Lizard King?
1: Who's that? Jim
2: Morrison. Oh, that's right. Um... You know, when you had your uh, witchcraft guest on the other night talking about huh. I wanted to contribute to that conversation the other night and um, call in and say, you know, if you really want to get to the bottom, you know, if you want to find out what, 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 it, what it's uh, all about, uh, Go ask Alice, I think she'll know. I was going to contribute that the other night, but... I just had to throw it in tonight.
1: Jefferson Airplane. On, yeah, on
2: psilocybin. 1969, um, I think. Uh, I think that was 68.
1: 68, I was close. Yep.
2: 68.
1: Not not bad for a guy that wasn't even alive for another 20 years.
2: Yeah, Summer of Love, um, 68 produced um, almost all the classics. 69, they were slowing down. It was slowing down. The Summer of Love was sixty seven, so it was starting to burn out. Probably the Grateful Dead <laughs> had a lot to do with <laughs> people not showing up at those festivals anymore. No, I'm just kidding.
1: <laughs> well they, they say that Jerry Garcia was a CIA plant.
2: Yeah, um they've got lots of documentation about how um the people involved and uh were had lsd being um shipped to them and given to them and they were spreading it at the shows and the cia there were agents from the cia in there that's that's all documented that was following around and changing their consciousness you know on your last guest um i forget his name andre andre he sounded like a socialist he votes for bernie sanders He's a socialist dream. All I'd say, Andre, is please look into libertarianism before you dive into socialism. But um, I couldn't agree more with all of his discussion of magic and chaos magic and the description he gave of how it works.
1: Yeah, definitely. I had heard him on another program and learned quite a bit, so I wanted to bring him on. He's a guy that really give everything that he says uh, a good amount of thought before he actually says it so I, pr- I really appreciate his ability to teach others I think he's a phenomenal teacher
2: yeah I like the direction you're going Daniel opening people's minds trying to help them understand you know their own ability to the possibilities um, and that's kind of what magic you know chaos magic at the core of it it's you give yourself the most options possible. See, magicians are in a bad state when they have the least amount of options, so magicians try to create the most amount of options for themselves. That's why they um, they look at every system of belief and they use what works. And like you said, they don't throw the baby out with the bathwater just because they don't agree with a part of a system doesn't mean that they don't recognize certain part of the systems work.
1: Todd, Todd, and, how, um, how many? I,
2: I got Todd.
1: How many babies had to die for them to come up with that saying?
2: Uh, which saying?
1: Don't throw the baby out with the bathwater.
2: <laughs> I hear you. Back in the old days, maybe they did that. You know, <laughs> was like nine kids <laughs> <laughs> threw one out in the river. You know, that might have been where that started. And you were <laughs> saying? Thing. Oh, I was just saying that, um, it, it's, um, I, I got about it the same way. I went into chaos magic the same way, but obviously I'm, I'm probably a decade older than your, your guest, And so we have different views and I'm going to guess that he lives in a big city and, um, and I'm going to guess that his city's probably progressive, and that uh, he believes in the whole socialist thing. But uh, but um, outside of that, I just uh, I just wanted to say I came about it in the same way, where I'd studied a lot of Crowley and a lot of different systems of magic and witchcraft and all these different ideas and folklore. And, and did comparative religious studies back before I was about 13. I was already studying all the world's religions. Um, And then I, you know, like he was trying to point out, um, that's how you can almost prove that magic's real, is because if you believe any belief system long enough, you'll realize it um, counters out the other one. They both can't be real and so something else is going on. And the universe is more of a magical model than it is anything else. And um, and then once you make that leap of logic, then you want to figure out what works. And that's what's important for magicians, is what works. Yeah, absolutely. Good stuff. Yeah. And so I was telling you on the last show about how to witches tap into the inner power because it's so goddamn scary to say the Lord's Prayer backwards. If you're raised in a Christian setting, you know, to go do that in a darkened room, that's pretty spooky. Breaks all your taboos and um and it um creates a state of consciousness where you're more receptive to whatever it is that's being downloaded.
1: Yeah, I think that that's something that might be, might be because I haven't actually done it myself. A big part of ritual in some of these secret societies is to actually use
2: shock and awe in order to open the mind. Yep. And uh, different groups would use different techniques from fear to, you know, awe. But fear always seems to be at the core, and death, the threat of death, that's pretty spooky.
1: Yeah, Um, I've I've heard that. I've heard people say that the entire existence of religions or a belief in the afterlife actually comes from the fear of death.
2: Yeah, and that's kind of the, the state's... Main tool that they use to, you know, whether it's religion or government, they, 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 um, religion in particular uses death as a threat. But you better believe or else. Hey Todd, and like, uh, your guest was saying that religion creates an intermediary, a middleman between you and the supernatural or the afterlife. And
1: Todd, yeah, Daniel. Do you want to do a news story
2: with me? Oh, for sure. What do you got?
1: Alright, so this one comes from the Boston Herald. That's bostonherald.com. The article is by Antonio Polanis. Rachel Bond says ex-boyfriend had off-the-wall occult beliefs. It appears that this man, Rachel Bond's ex-boyfriend, accused her very young toddler of some heinous things. He had a belief in reptilians. He said certain government officials were reptilians. And from what I can tell, he actually blamed the child for being some kind of hybrid or some sort of artificial intelligence before he murdered the two-year-old. And my question is, after reading this, are some of these UFO alternative beliefs, some of these Reptilian belief systems are are they or could they be dangerous
2: well let me let me tell you like your guest was describing um, we only see what we i mean reality in my view in my this is me is what we believe we're perceiving, and so if you're believing in reptilians and maybe even doing some drugs. Um, you know, there's a reptilian conspiracy there on drugs. They could do some crazy stuff. Was he on drugs?
1: I don't think so. Was- I, yeah, from what I can tell, he was not on drugs. He said he was clean and sober and it says, yeah, it says nothing about any sort of drug use. It just he was really into Alex Jones and he believed that Jade Helm he believed in all that Jade Helm stuff where the military was doing training exercise to prepare for martial law.
2: Okay, well, I mean there's another nut that's blown his top. But um there was a story a year year and a half ago about a person that was picked up under mysterious circumstances dead that claimed he was a my lab um, and part alien and they police went back to his house and it was fully stocked so you know sometimes there's cases where where there's some evidence maybe he was insane too but he claimed he was a my lab agent and they were, they would bring him back even after he died. He told his girlfriend that and the girlfriend didn't know anything about him except what he told her. And, uh, his house was fully stocked like an alien might be or a MyLab agent when the police went back there had like a thousand assault rifles.
1: Oh my God.
2: Set up. Yeah, set up in a room in his basement. He, transferred all of his vehicles into amphibious vehicles. He had hummers or <laughs> trucks that he could drive underwater in case he had to. Um a lot of money. This guy that they found on the side of the road dead. So, you know, there's weird there's weird stories. On the reptilians um, I've read a lot of stories, Daniel, where the person claimed that they killed the person because they were turning into a reptilian in front of them.
1: Yeah. I read I've read at
2: least ten of those.
1: I, I've heard stories like that. There, there's, uh, I remember one years ago where these two guys were doing psychedelic mushrooms, and, I mean, nothing funny about it, of course, but he actually, one guy actually ripped his friend's heart out and ate it.
2: Yeah, I remember that one. I remember that was like a roommate. Uh, they were roommates or something. And, um know, there's so many. Um, and, Daniel, those are just the ones you can remember reading in the newspaper. You can only imagine, the, you know, how how many things are occurring that you don't read about. Yeah, I what think What other so. news story you got, Daniel?
1: Well, just, you know, r- real quick before we move on, I just want to say that, Even though we do study this stuff, we we look into things like reptilians and conspiracies and stuff like that. We we can never allow ourselves to forget that there is such thing as mental illness, and not everything is going to be real. Some of these things are going to be delusional fantasies. I, I personally believe in reptilians, and I believe in Illuminati, but that doesn't mean that a very disturbed person can't take on some of these ideas and start, Attributing these concepts to completely innocent people, like a two-year-old baby or or some un- unsuspecting person. Oh yeah, so, yeah, this Horrible. Stuff, yeah. Horrible. Horrible.
2: Yeah, yeah. I, I do think that. It, um, I've I've met mentally ill people. that are confusing the barrier of reality or whatever. You know, they're they're, they're the lines of reality are and they don't. They, you can tell they they're socially. Um, handicapped or whatever because they're not thinking straight. (laughs) Haven't you met one of those?
1: Oh, yeah, sure. I mean, I, I have met people that... Okay, here's the thing, Todd. It's not always black and white. Just because somebody does have a mental illness, it doesn't mean every single thing that they say or they believe is a falsehood. It could be that they are indeed mentally ill, but some or many of their beliefs could, in fact, be true. The fact that they are mentally ill doesn't mean that they're not right about anything.
2: No, and that subject's so deep, Daniel, and foggy. And, um, you you know, psychology and psychiatry, that started as magical techniques and practices. Almost all of psychology's Original um, techniques were developed by magicians hundred years before they were used by psychologists or psychiatrists.
1: Yeah, I don't. You can look it at, at
2: all. all of it between the because psychiatry is associated with the use of pharmaceuticals, drugs, and psychologies um, associated with techniques to um, understand the mind and help people. With that understanding, you know so it's psychiatry's a combination to be a psychiatrist you you have to have a medical degree so you can die you you can give prescriptions out <laughs> where a psychologist works with you on on a on a non prescription level
1: <laughs> yeah absolutely are you ready to move on to the next story?
2: Oh, totally, but before we do I just want to finish by saying that there that's those techniques were developed by magicians long before they were practiced by high-paid doctors. Awesome, but go go on, Daniel.
1: Okay, so this one this comes from a website collective-evolution.com. This is a little bit of an older article, Todd. I actually dug this one up. I like to usually stick to things that happened in the past couple weeks, but this is just so fascinating. This is all the way back from January 15th, so a few months ago, but it says, oh, I'm sorry, it's by Aryan Walia, and it says neuroscientist finds telepathic abilities in multiple autistic children. And the article goes on to say that this person wrote a paper where they were studying autistic children and they came to find, I'm sorry, the lady's name is Diane Powell, she's a doctor, and she did all these experiments and found that autistic children seem to display these abilities in a higher percentage than non-autistic people.
2: Hmm. Well, on autism, uh, you know, I, I kind of see the world from a magical perspective and um, we've got some uh, magicians have different ways of seeing the universe especially chaos magicians can see it from almost any perspective but I I like to see the universe as um, there's a veil between us and the spirit world between us and a higher level of understanding and there has to be a veil so that we can function in the earthly plane, and maybe people that are suffering from autism, or people that are on meth, Daniel, like you were discussing earlier. Yeah, like like my neighbors. Like my neighbors. Yeah, the veils thinner, so they're seeing through it. They're seeing the shadows. They're seeing things floating around. Children. Haven't you ever heard stories about little babies going... Seeing things that are up that you can't see. Um, My uncle told me a story that his baby, very first when it was able to talk, said, He asked, Where'd you come from? And it said, I was floating around watching you guys. Little baby told my uncle that. That's freaky. Yeah, and so, you know, I kind of view the world as it has a veil over it.
1: That's when you ask the kid, Todd, that's when you ask the kid. Where's the money hidden?
2: (laughs) (laughs) That's when I was younger, Daniel. (laughs) But now that I'm older and and a more wise and seasoned magician, I don't ask that anymore because I know that leads to trouble. That's the first question
1: um, you should ask anything. If you're talking to a demon, a spirit, the first question should be where's the money
2: hidden? No, I'm with you. I'm with you, my man. <laughs> we'll just uh, get a hold of some of those demons that hang out with the Rothschilds. Um, they'll tell you where the money's hidden. Um, go ahead. Uh, anyways, you go ahead. What do you feel about these autistic kids? What's going on there?
1: Okay. Well, Your
2: money, because you're very smart.
1: Oh, thank you. Uh, it depends how much Mountain Dew that I've drank. If I drink a whole bottle, I'm very smart. If I don't drink any, then I'm probably a little bit below average.
2: Well, even if you were a complete idiot, I'd probably still listen because you are so funny. Okay. But you're not, and um, you're very smart. That's one of the reasons that, uh, yeah, Daniel gets this. You're a little younger, though, right, Daniel? You're in your 30s, right?
1: Uh, yeah, I'm I'm 34, but these things are all relative. There's plenty of young folk walking around that are just still in high school that make me feel like an older fella.
2: Well, at 34, you're right there. Believe me, you'll be right behind me, and then um, you'll have a cane.
1: Oh, yeah. Um, That's really something to look forward to.
2: Yeah, and then no libido, so... That's yeah. Not me
1: <laughs>
2: Yeah. That's when you I'm get one of those them. rare exceptions.
1: That's when you get out the popsicle sticks.
2: I got guys my age. They got their 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 hair is white. I'm like, what the hell happened to you? Because you know <laughs> my hair is the same color it was when I was a teenager. Well, Todd, you're you, you young at heart and a magician. But
1: you remember what happened to Moses when he went up on Mount Sinai? He he went up there and his hair turned white. <laughs>
2: It did. It blew his mind. <laughs> God's like, oh, the energy's coming through. It's just sh- sh- all the color's gone.
1: His pubes are white now. Uh,
2: that's why I don't mess around with the G- Christian stuff. Yeah, turn your hair white. No, I'm kidding. <laughs>
1: um,
2: I'm a magician, though, Daniel, as you know, and it's because, like your last guest um, discussed, the world has a magical uh, principle or reality about it, and you limit yourself, or you release yourself based upon how you view the world.
1: Yeah, it makes sense.
2: Yep, and there's tricks and techniques, and he tried to show you a few, and if you go to his website, you can take his courses, but over the time that I've talked to you in the last year, Daniel, I've tried to... Give as many of those lessons as possible to the listeners if you listen closely to my calls, you know. Collect them all like baseball cards, please. But, um, but I tried to give the tricks and techniques too, because I'm not selling them. I just learned them a long time ago. Um, end of
1: days radio collectible cards coming soon.
2: There you go. Now you're talking. Now you're talking. That's something I'd buy, you know. They <laughs> have two, two dimes to <laughs> run against each other, but go on, Daniel. What other ideas you got? I like that cards the card set. Uh
1: yeah, I mean
2: uh, great idea.
1: I well the idea came from this uh have have you seen this Illuminati card game that came out back in the nineties? You know about that, right? Oh yeah, I had
2: that. I bought that when it came out. That's how far back I was ahead of uh, Steve Jackson. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's like for, for like four hundred dollars, you can get a binder full of the full collected set. So you get every card in the series. Holy I'm, shit! Yeah, I'm thinking I about it for it.
2: twenty bucks.
1: I'm thinking about plunking down the cash so that I can have that that conspiracy freak awesome collector's item. Uh
2: uh I don't know if I'd spend that much. You could probably find it somewhere. I'll find it for you for less than that if that's what you're trying to if you'd love that. I had it. Pisses me off. It's gone. Somebody stole it but um I had it way back in the day. See, because this the 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 concept for the game, even the box itself, blew your mind in nineteen ninety three. I think it was ninety three. Um But the Illuminati concept that that the game was based upon was earlier than that, and it was wrapped around Robert Anton Wilson and Timothy Leary and a bunch of the countercultures stuff on the Illuminati. And then he kind of put a new spin on it. Do you remember those serial killer cards, Daniel?
1: I remember something like that. I vaguely
2: remember. You know what else they had? They had the Iran-Contra affair. Trade, uh, playing trading cards, and then there was another company. You know, there was another company. It wasn't Steve Jackson Games, but they put out a series of trading cards, like the serial killer cards and the drug war cards on all the key players in the drug war back in the nineties. So you could get smart on how you're being played by all this corrupt shadow government.
1: They had one really cool back one then. They had one really cool one back back when the collectible card games were really popular. It was called Rage, and it was all about warring werewolf tribes that were trying to fight each other for dominance.
2: That sounds pretty cool, but on the fantasy side, where these cards, the drug wars and the conspiracy cards and the serial killers were all based upon real historical facts.
1: There's another one called... So- uh I think it was called Vampire the Masquerade or something like that. Similar yeah. similar thing but but vampires and they even had one that was about the the HP Lovecraft series. I forget what it was called but they had that for a little while.
2: Well, if you go to the game store, I've got one two blocks away. They sell specialty games and card games and there's the booming industry, and there's one whole aisle on Lovecraft Monopoly. Lovecraft Monopoly.
1: Oh, they've got that now? They, That's awesome.
2: Yeah, they've got that there. It's incredible. All the latest comics and all that nerdy crap. Um, I don't know if I mentioned, my wife gave me a subscription to Mad Magazine two years ago, so I've had Mad delivered every <laughs> three months. And the best thing about Mad in the last um 2 years is that they've had a ton of Trump covers where they do a classic Alfred E. Newman meets Trump, you know, how mad <laughs> does. And they do a great Trump.
1: <laughs> yeah, Mad Mad Magazine is one of those classics. They're kind of like kind of like Playboy or Time Magazine or something like that where It's just so embedded into our culture that even though things have kind of moved onto the Internet, these publications, they still exist because they're just so big with people. There's people that get them every month, and they'll still get them every month because it's part of their routine.
2: Yeah, and Mad was always left-leaning. As I'm older, you know, I realize they're all part of the liberal establishment, Mad is. Still classic sense of humor, very smart. But, um, all they do is attack Trump for the last two years, and that's cool. That's fun. It gives him more publicity. Probably got him, helped get him elected. But, um, but, you know, on that last, your guest, um, you, you know what he needs to be mad about? That Hillary Clinton stole the election from Bernie Sanders. And that yeah, was in the yeah. emails.
1: Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, every once in a while somebody will say something like, "I can't believe that Trump got elected over Hillary. This country is crazy." At I mean, I'm no I'm no fan of Trump at this point, but let me tell you, I'm still glad that he won over Hillary Clinton. I mean, she's just a, such an evil woman.
2: I told my wife, "Can you imagine how I would be if she got elected?" waking up to me every morning with her voice, her face, because all I do is read the news every day. It's just one of those hobbies I have. And to see her face every day, we would have went right into the New World Order if she would have been elected. She would have just handed us over to the Chinese or whoever, Saudi Arabians or whoever she sold us out to or that she sold out to.
1: Well, what she would have done is she would have done a bunch of things to appease the minorities and the poor people and she'd give away a bunch of free stuff and then behind the scenes she'd sign all these awful executive orders and just as you said she would pretty much do anything that she could do to, to further the agenda like a good puppet that she is
2: yeah and you know Daniel that free stuff doesn't work because there's no such thing as free stuff if somebody's being given something it's being taken from somebody else um, in, in, a governmental taxation, you know, redistribution situation. Picture the DMV. Have you ever been to the DMV, Daniel?
1: Oh, yeah, I'd, uh, renew my license. Yeah, that's how
2: the, that, that's how they run everything. So if you think you're going to get better health care because the government's involved, if you think the military operation is going to go great because the government's in charge of it, just think of the DMV, and you'll see how things work in government.
1: You know what I want to do, Todd?
2: What do you want to do, Daniel?
1: I want to do LSD at the DMV.
2: I think I might have done that. you know, <laughs> Back in the day? Or maybe it disproduced that state. <laughs> Back in the day. <laughs> uh, Daniel. You know, I live in Utah, so I have to be all... Oh, don't say too much because the Inquisition could knock on your door any minute.
1: Oh, Todd, they're not going to do Ro- nothing Mitt to you. Romney could
2: send out his. Um...
1: <laughs> You'll
2: be all right. It's just us talking. I know.
1: It's just us in the world. You
2: think I'm paranoid, but I'm. It actually has kept me safe.
1: Well, you know what they say: just because you're paranoid, don't mean they're not after
2: you. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so I didn't mean to take up too much of your uh show tonight. Incredible show, I love it. More people need to understand magic doesn't you know, and saying Lucifer I ne- you will never hear me saying, Yeah, I think Lucifer's a great guy. No, I don't say that. Um, but um it's a great you know, thing to have a different perspective on where where he kind of explains that a lot of your myths and our our legends are based around society's taboos and usually whoever the bad guy is that's who lost the last religious conflict or (laughs) you know when two groups meet (laughs)
1: yeah exactly
2: so I'm having a great Saturday night I'm going to let you go and enjoy this show so tear it up my man
1: alright Todd thanks for calling I'll talk to you again alright peace And that was Todd the Bod. Todd the God from Utah. Utah Todd. Todd the Bod. Let's stick with Todd the Bod. He does have a great bod. I've seen the pictures. He looks like a freaking Adonis. Like if, if Hercules existed in these modern times, that would be Todd. I mean, we're talking chiseled, chiseled head to toe. So what should we do now, my friends? What should we do now? Should we read another fan letter? Remember that's Daniel, end of days Radio at com. This next one comes from Fez. Fez. That's an interesting name, isn't it? He says, hi there. Who do you think is hotter, Daniel? Jennifer Aniston or... Jennifer Conley, who you just talked about the other day on one of your shows. Signed, Fez. Who? Jennifer Conley is very beautiful. Something about her, something about her look is just top notch. I don't know what it is. It's something about her, her facial structure and her ears. She has very pretty little ears. I can't really say that I like her better than Jennifer Aniston, though, because I don't know what it is. I mean, technically, I suppose that Jennifer Connelly would be more beautiful. I mean, she's an actual movie star. Jennifer Aniston is a TV star that became a movie star because she was so popular on TV. Would I say that she's as classically beautiful as somebody like Jennifer Connelly? Probably not. But do I find her to to be cuter and more attractive Uh, for some reason yeah I don't know what it is her look does it for me she just has that look of something that you want to grab and squeeze Uh, I hope to not be too graphic but you know what I mean there's just something about her she's got a certain quality about her so Fez I'm going to have to go with Jennifer Aniston on that one I hope that answers your very perverted question I do have some more letters here. This one comes from... Let's see. I'll save that one for later. This one comes from Eric. And he says, Daniel, do you ever block people on Twitter? Twitter. Do you ever block people on Twitter? Um, Not really. Not really. I haven't really had too much of a reason to. It's happened maybe two or three times when people were just being really really unreasonable to the point where I couldn't even to say, hey, what's your problem? It was just like just like hatred and uh, there's a point where I suppose somebody could push it where I would finally block somebody but for the most part, no. I'm not really into blocking people on Twitter. I haven't really had too much of a reason to. Occasionally somebody will say something rude or call me an idiot for being into conspiracy conspiracies and stuff like that, but I usually just ignore them. Put on my big boy pants and ignore them. I mean, there's no point in sitting here and arguing with people that just don't get it. They have no concept of the paranormal. They have no concept of magic, aliens. They just don't have any concept of it. They believe what they see on TV, what the experts tell them, what their parents tell them. And they prefer to live in that world. And to them, anybody that believes in anything outside the box, well, they're an idiot that's stuck in the Stone Age. Because they believe in things that aren't aren't given the go-ahead, that aren't authorized by some authority, that aren't authorized by Bill Nye the Science Guy or Carl Sagan or the University of Minnesota or the Catholic Church or your parents, etc., etc., etc. You know what I mean? How many things do we believe that we have not proven to ourselves at any point in our lives? We believe them because it's accepted as real. It's accepted as reality. And if most people believe this way, well, they're probably right because majority rules, right? No, sorry, wrong. Wrong. What about the giant squid? How long does it take us to find a picture of the giant squid? Sometimes it takes a while to find things. Sometimes, as a society, we just aren't there yet. And no, just because a lot of people believe in a particular thing, it doesn't mean that it's right. It just means that they're all idiots. Yeah, I said it. Idiots. Mob mentality. What about those riots you see at football games? Are those people very intelligent? No. They're collectively acting like a bunch of douchebags. They're not in the right just because there's hundreds or thousands of them doing it. No, it just means there's hundreds or thousands of retards. Can't say retard anymore. Hundreds or thousands of complete morons. Yeah, so who cares what anybody thinks? Be yourself. Don't let external pressures force you to Be somebody that you're not because you will never, ever be happy if you let other people force you to be somebody that you don't want to be. And it will come from every angle. Trust me, it will come from every angle. People will try to change you. They'll try to make you like them. Don't let it happen. Don't let it happen. Be yourself. Retain your autonomy. Don't have any masters. Be your own master. Be your own masturbator. Sorry, sorry. I'm trying to cut back on that sort of talk or increase it, depending on my mood. Anyways, let's see here. Okay, so the live shows, this is something I need to talk about. We are still doing live shows. The problem is that I'm not doing shows consistently on the same day anymore. It used to be every Saturday night at what seven forty five PM PST or or it was what eight o'clock and then it switched to seven forty five or it started at seven thirty. I don't remember at this point. But it's so hard to expect guests to expect myself to always be able to be there on the exact same time. So all of you guys that want to take part of the live show, that want to call in, that wanna take part of the chat or just want to listen live they just want to be there when it's actually going on you can go to the website endofdaysradio.com and look at the schedule it's right there on the left side or if you're on mobile you're going to have to scroll all the way to the bottom of the page and you can get the schedule from there and then you can plan plan to be at the live shows because you'll know what day and time they're on and you can kind of plan around that way so just check the website every so often. Go to endofdaysradio.com. You should be going there anyways, right? Because that's the home for everything End of Days Radio. You should be going there anyways. So go to the website and get the schedule and come to the live show. And we will have fun together. And as far as doing the show every Saturday night again, I will try. I will try. I will see about continuing the trend of doing a lot of shows. It's not easy. It takes a lot of work, but I'll see if I can't keep this up. I've been doing shows like every day this past week, so it's awesome, but, you know, it's a lot of work, but I'll I'll see how long I can keep it up. There's a lot of information to get out there. There's a lot of work to be done. There's a lot of heads to split. Uh, okay, so... I've been holding off on this letter because it's kind of long and it's weird. This comes from a girl or lady named Lana. I'm not going to say her last name, just call her Lana. <sighs> Greetings, Daniel. You claim that more than 50% of your fans are female, comma? Well, I can say that women are actually very attracted to the supernatural. That is why they like your show, because it because it is similar to certain things like the Twilight series, for example, that deals with supernatural topics. Yeah, good point. Let's, yeah, I think you have a good point there. Uh, maybe it's the fact that paranormal and supernatural things are just non-gender specific. Women typically like shopping and reading romance novels and, you know, doing female things. And guys like sports and cars and things like that. But paranormal and supernatural, it's not gender specific. There's nothing manly about it. There's nothing feminine about it. It's something that anybody can enjoy. Like, I've been really into pro wrestling and MMA, even had a, have a website about it. You know, thing that I put together years and years ago. It's still going but it's primarily had a male audience because guys are into that sort of thing. You know, you're not going to have a whole lot of females that are into like playing the guitar, for example, because men like doing things like that. They like buying expensive guitars and collecting them and being all nerdy about the mechanics and the parts and accessories and all of that. But that's not completely true because there are some outstanding female guitar players out there, for sure. There's more and more popping up all the time. But that's what's kind of cool about the paranormal, about the occult. There's tons and tons of women that are into it. There's a lot of women that are into Wicca. There's a lot that are into these paranormal ghost hunts and things like that. So, I suppose it might be something to look into if you are trying to meet somebody that is interested in the same sort of things as you. You might you might want to join a paranormal group or something like that. It seems like a good idea because like I said it's not gender specific and like Lana said women seem to be attracted to that sort of thing. Maybe it's the mystery about it. Maybe it there's something romantic about the supernatural, the unknown, the paranormal. I think so. I think there is something kind of romantic about it. Uh, I mean, just the concept that there are things and places that still need to be explored, that's kind of romantic. It's like this thick fog out there, and we're trying to decipher as many shapes in that fog as we can. And the more we learn and the closer we get, the more that fog disappears. But then what we realize is there's a lot more ground to cover than we realized. The more you know, the more you find out that you don't know. So I agree. And also, good letter. Good letter, Lana. I, I really like these longer ones where you actually have a little bit more to say. <laughs> and, and aren't sexual things like so many of you guys like sending me. Okay, talked about that, talked about that. So I've been getting a lot more chemtrail activity around here, here in Seattle. I don't know why, but it's been really sunny lately. It's summertime, summertime's approaching, and there is a lot of chemtrails and the other day I put these pictures on Twitter I took some pictures the sky was completely covered it was covered it, it really looked like they were crop dusting me these things are real chemtrails are very real and we had Harold Kratz on the show he talked about what they are what they're doing go back and listen to that show if you can or, I'm sorry, Harold Cotts Bella. That's how you say his name. I see things like that, and it bothers me. When I go outside and I look at the sky and I see those chemtrails, because it was a perfectly blue sunny day. It was blue as far as I could see, but after these planes got done, there was this misty, foggy haze in the air. The chemtrails were expanding out into these thin clouds. And it was not a beautiful sunny day anymore and that's so disturbing to me because how can you really get away with doing things like that without seriously affecting the ecosystem. And I feel it too. I have like phlegm in my lungs all the time. Like I try to sleep and I just feel that phlegm in there. It's harder for me to breathe. And I have no doubt that it has something to do with these they are spraying on me. Yeah, it might be the pollen, it might be pollution might be cat hair. But I know that these chemtrails are having an effect on me. And I'm sick of it. And I saw something really weird the other day. I was looking at the chemtrails and I took my eyes off of one and took my eyes off the plane and I looked back, the plane was gone and the chemtrail was gone. I don't know what the heck happened or how that's possible. But then I go on YouTube and I find out that I'm not the only one. I'm not the only one that has been watching Temstro planes and has seen them disappear. Weird. Weird. I don't like that. I don't like crazy shit that has probably been going on my whole life and I didn't realize it until now. That is too disturbing, annoying, threatening. We got to do something about this. We got to. We got to. And what that is, I don't know. But the first step is to make your friends and your family aware. Spread that awareness. Tell them about this show. Even if you're embarrassed, if you're embarrassed about them listening to me in my madness, I don't care. Tell them anyways. Play it for them. Bring them into a room. Invite your. Your rich, snobby friends over for dinner, cook a delicious steak with some red wine and as as the night continues suddenly, end of day's radio starts playing out of the small transistor radio in the corner. Ah, more listeners gained influence spreading, and in my plan to take over the world. <laughs> Oh, I mean, I mean, spread awakening and knowledge. <laughs> I'm just kidding, you guys. Of course, that's what this is all about. It's about spreading the awakening, it's about bringing other people to where you're at. It's making people more open minded, like how you are. That's how it happened to me. I'm not special. I just listened to other people, and then things finally clicked for me. I listened to programs like Coast to Coast, back when our bell was on it, not this pretender to the throne George Norrie, this boring, overly commercialized corporate puppet known as George Norrie, this corporate cocksucker who brings his knee pads to every meeting for the premier radio network so he can suck that corporate cock, suck it. Suck that corporate cock, Nori. You corporate sucker. Fuck Nori. Yeah, I said it. Who cares? It's a stupid podcast on the internet. I can say whatever I want. Oh no, don't say that. You, you, you might be able to go on there someday and be a host on Coast to Coast. Yeah, right. Me? Yeah, right. Not only is that stupid, but who says I would want to do that anyways? You think I would want to go on terrestrial radio where I can't say shit? Where I have no control over the program or what's going on? Yeah, right. Would it be cool to get paid? Sure. I can get paid other ways. I mean, I'm not sure if you guys are aware of this or not, but there's other ways to make money besides being radio radios. And if you know anything about radio, you'll know that radio sucks. And I'm hoping that radio dies. I'm hoping that Everything switches over to podcasting. It's just that there's still a lot of AM, FM radios out there, and they still work. So all you have to do is turn your radio on, and you have access to all kinds of music and stations. And that's why radio is probably not going to go anywhere. I don't think it's going to die, because everybody has a radio in their car, or they have an old radio in the shop. It's just too easy to get a hold of them, and there's the commute. There's the drive after work. There's always going to be people listening, but that being said, how many people have really reached the level of an Art Bell or, or a Howard Stern or even an Opie and Anthony? Not very many people. Most of them are just shitty, miserable, vocal DJs, and let's face it, they hate their lives. They think every day about that extension cord. And if it would fit around their neck. So that they could end it all. And end it all right now. That's your future. Getting into radio. It's a big fat extension cord. Wrapped around your neck. Hopefully George Norrie will. Grab an extension cord one of these. I'm sorry that's going too far. I know. I know. Poor George. Everybody shits on him. Poor George. I know. It's his birthday. Who's going to his birthday party? Who's going to bring him to our peso rolls? George Snorey. George Snorey. ParanormalDate.com I'm an asshole. It's okay. I know that it's true. <laughs> I'm not ashamed. <sighs> Sometimes you gotta be. Sometimes you have to be. Because it takes an asshole to defeat an asshole. It takes a beast to stop a beast. That's why you must become a beast. And by beast, I'm not talking about Brock Lesnar. I'm talking about the beast inside of you. I'm talking about your personal inner demons. There's a time to let them loose. You gotta know when and you gotta know where. Like if you have to you gotta get real street with somebody at the goodwill one day because they're encroaching your space. Like what happened to me the other day. When I became a goodwill badass. A goodwill gangster, a thrift store thug. Yeah. Thrift store badass. Oh you know what I did today? I ate too much. And now I have gas coming out of my ass that's horrible why did I say that I have been turning the mic down as I've been letting out these ginormous bubbly flatulence I've been actually turning my mic off I did it like three times when I was talking to Todd I would have blown his hair back I would have made his hair turn white that's disgusting did I just ruin this whole show by saying that okay so I had some other things that I wanted to talk about Oh hell, I'll just do it. I don't have another show for another week unless unless something happens, so Okay, so <laughs> yesterday we had a show about psychedelics and I asked the guest about salvia. Salvia divinorium, however you say it. It was a legal drug that they had years ago, they sell like, at gas stations. He didn't really know much about it, it wasn't his thing, but I I asked because Years ago. I wouldn't say that I got into it, but I tried it just like everybody else. You could buy grab a bit from from a smoke shop or gas station like I said. I think that I got mine I think I ordered it online. Did I say that? It was perfectly legal at the time. I think it became illegal quickly afterwards, however. So I ordered this stuff online. It comes in the mail. It was a very experimental, explorative time in my life, as I'm sure many of you have had those types of times. You know, when you were a young rebel, like when you had the mohawk with the pink hair and you'd wear your Metallica shirt to school every day, even when it got old and stanky you'd still wear it. Well, like many of you, I went through an adventurous, explorative time in my life. It probably lasted a little bit too long. But I tried salvia. And there was different types of extracts you could get. Like you could get just plain stuff that wouldn't even do anything. But if you really want it to work, you'd have to get a concentrated extract. And they had like five times, ten times, a hundred times, meaning it's a hundred times normal strength. So I got the ten times, figuring, hey, ten times the normal strength of the leaf by itself, couldn't it be that bad. Boy, was I wrong. This stuff is weird because you have to get a really good hit of it. And this feels totally off, awful talking about any sort of drug use on this show, but who cares? We're exploring. So you got to get a really good hit of this stuff. If you just get a little puff or if you don't really get a lungful of it, it won't work. And sometimes, even if you do get a lung full, it still won't work, and you have to hit it a couple times to get it to kick in. So the first few times it didn't even work, just tasted totally weird. and kind of made me trip out a little bit. But I think, like, the third time, I got a real good one. The fact that I might have even used a bong, which probably wasn't very smart. And I just lost it. Everything changed. I mean, I'm talking full-on visuals, reality completely melting away everything turned into spaghetti. That's the best way I can describe it. There were no angles. There was no 3D. Everything was just spaghetti noodles. And to get up and move around, I had to actually push my way through the spaghetti noodles that once compromised reality. And I remember how gross it felt breathing. Like I was thinking, man, this is so gross. I'm so wet, and there's holes in my face called nostrils. And the air just goes in those holes. It feels so disgusting. What kind of creature am I? All kinds of weird thoughts like that, accompanied by the craziest visuals that I'd ever seen. And there was one point where I had, like, fly vision, meaning I saw what was in front of me, but a million times over and over, repeat it, like you're looking through the eye of one of those flies. You know how they have those red eyes? where they see in all directions at once, but they see, instead of seeing the room, they see the room like a hundred times in these little squares or these little round lenses that make up their eye. That's what I saw, (laughs) like I, I had fly vision. I'm never doing that again, that was scary. That was scary, that's like probably the scariest experience like that that I've had. I've had some weird experiences. And I know what you guys are thinking. Oh Daniel, that's why you believe in these strange things. You fried your brain. You probably only have two brain cells left. You might be right about that but I don't think so. I think it made me far smarter than I was before and and very much opened up my mind. That's what we're trying to do, right? I don't recommend that for anybody else. Just like I don't recommend skydiving or Extreme sports, but I did it, and so did many others. Okay, let's move on. okay, so I wanted to talk about homeless people. I talked about the homeless a lot for some reason, but specifically, I wanted to talk about the way hold on, let me get some more of this to do. Let me do the do orange about to do pre plug. oh yeah, feel the power the power of yellow 5 and caffeine and sodium citrate and yellow 6 and yellow 5 and red 40 okay, I gotta stop drinking that But so these people, they talk to the air these homeless people, they talk to the air I don't think that they're just talking to the air I think they're really talking to something they're talking to demonic entities That's why they're homeless, because they're crazy, because something's talking to them. The only difference is, I believe that there's something actually there that they're talking to. They can just see it because they don't know how to filter it out. They get lost in their own head, and that world that they're in becomes more real. And it's not any less real than our reality. It's just that they're stuck in that state of mind. So next time you see a homeless person talking to the air, do not laugh at them, do not make fun of them, but know that there's probably some friggin' entity that's bothering them. Maybe you should try to help them. Probably not, you should probably just stay the F away. In fact, that is what you should do. But know what's going on. Know that it's not just all mental illness. That there are entities. That there are demons out there. There's angels. There's demons. There's aliens. There's all kinds of strange things. There's Sasquatches. There's giants. There are Mongolian deathworms. There are Jersey devils. There are Mokule There is Nessie. It just goes on and on. I mean, I could sit here and And name off every cryptid. If you'd like me to. Goat sucker. Goat sucker is a good one. What other cryptids are there out there? What's your favorite cryptid? I had a good idea. I was going to make these puppets. That are cryptids. Like you could get a goat sucker puppet. He'd be really cute. Or a gray alien. You can have like two gray alien puppets, and then there'd be like a a little human display, kind of like a nativity scene, but instead of a nativity it's an alien abduction. How cool would that be? Like, instead of having a nativity scene, you have three gray aliens surrounding a table with a human there, and they're like slicing the human open. It could be like a Halloween nativity scene. Don't steal my idea. In fact... I'm going to have to go back and edit this out because I don't want my idea to get stolen. I'm just kidding. I don't care. Uh, Well, well there, my friends. Did you have fun today? I know that I had fun. And we're going to have more fun on on June 16th at 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. End of days radio will be returning. Gonna take a break for a few days so that I can get caught up, so that I can go and do stuff. But that will be Friday, June sixteenth, at five p.m. Pacific Standard Time. We'll be talking to Billy Brujo. And the very next day, June seventeenth, that's another Saturday at eight p.m. Pacific Standard Time. We'll be talking to David Plate. And then on the twenty-second at 11 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, the famous, the world famous in the UFO world. Her name is Eve Lorgan, and she is the one behind the alien love bite.